Test, test, test. Check, check, check. Hey, everybody. Sarah here, aka Talking Fanfic. Welcome to my season three opener here uh, on Talking Fanfic, the podcast where uh, we talk about fanfiction every, you know, month, every two months, every three months, whenever I feel like doing an episode. Uh, we keep it real chill here on the on the talking fanfic. Uh, welcome here. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. I hope your your spring and your summer is going well. We have an interview today, and I'll get into that. That was recorded in March, actually, and I just kind of ha- sat on it because um, April we did Planet Comic Con. I did that with the Fanfic Maverick podcast with uh, Chaos Blue, the the great Chaos Blue. There's a special kind of bonus episode on her podcast about Planet Comic Con. So. Head over to her podcast. Yeah, head over to her podcast anyway because it's awesome. If you haven't already, do so because she does about five times the episodes I do, and she kills it. Um, but anyway, thanks for being here today. My interview is with Crimson One, who I encountered. It was like one of the first authors I saw when I got into the Cold Flash fandom, um, which is obviously the CW's Flash TV show, which has been on for too long. I'm sure if you ask Grant Gustin, um, but it introduced some amazing, uh, an amazing hero villainship with Captain Cold and Barry Allen. And that's what we talk about today, her work. She's one of the best known authors in that fandom. Uh, she was also just a dream to interview because she's got her, first of all, she's got like a professional podcast set up because she does audiobooks. Amanda Mavison is her name and she's a professionally published author as well. So we talk about that. We talk about her Cold Flash fic. Um, we talk about the times that she's actually flipped fan fiction into original fiction. So I went and bought her series, Love Sick Gods, which you can find on Amazon. Um, we'll have links in the in the show notes here. But man, she's awesome. You're going to love her. She's got a voice like made for podcasting and radio. She actually has a bit of a background in radio. We don't go into that, but she mentions that and I can believe it. And I remember just finding, I think I was on Tumblr where I found out that she's also professionally published. And so I went to her, amandamavison.com, and she's got this cute, sassy picture of herself. And she does like MM romance mostly um, and explicit work. And um, it's just adorable. And she like looks hot and sassy. And I was like, oh, and she has red hair. And I was like, well, Clearly, I have to contact this woman, <laughs> doctor. So I'm so glad I did. What a sweetheart and what a workhorse, man. Her productivity and her output as a fan fiction writer and as a professional writer is pretty astounding. Um, and actually, there's a couple of people like that in the Cold Flash fandom. And I'm going to interview um, at least one more, maybe two more, because it's a stacked it's a stacked fandom. It's amazing. Um, so anyway... You will, uh, you will hear Amanda here in a second. Gosh, I was just going to kind of breezily touch on possibly what's come down the pipe. I mean, I don't have, like, some of these podcasts, like, dude, I'm no fanfic maverick or retro fanfic retrospective or canonically incorrect. Those guys, like, book out and they do the work. Um, I do, but I'm, I mean, I do the work, but, you know, just um, over a longer period of time. And I don't tend to have a big pipeline of episodes. But actually, in this case, I do have some of the pipeline. We're going to touch on some general fan fiction topics this season. Like, I've got a Choose Not to Warn episode that I think is really good that Laura and I did. And I meant to put it out last season and just got busy. And now it's like, well, might as well just make it season three. So we're going to put that one out. Um, The talk I did with Brianna, the Instagram live I did with her, 
where we talk about uh, ship shaming and all the kind of trouble that um, shippers and fan fiction writers get into on Twitter and Tumblr, you know, and all that stuff. Um, I think I'm going to put that one out too, because I, I put it on Instagram, so I figured I didn't need to do an episode, but um, I think a lot of people probably miss that live video and it's kind of annoying just to have to watch it. So I think I'm just going to put the audio up on the podcast for you guys to enjoy because Brie has great thoughts as she always does. So, you know, it's late, but uh, we're going to do it in season three. And then um, the the big thing that Laura and I have been obsessed with, which is like, it's not popular. We just get into these things. And she actually, I was, I was knee deep in the Cold Flash fandom and obsession. And then she was just like, oh, I've been listening to um, this band called Oasis. I was like, Oasis, like the that sort of like Beatles tribute band. And she was like, ay, 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 all right, easy. And I was like, all right, all right. So I started listening to it and uh, just got obsessed. And I think the reason is that for a lot of us, especially I think fans and fandom and especially fan fiction people, we have to, in order to get to care about something, we actually have to hear the story. Like, that's what we do. We read and write stories, right? So the thing about Oasis is the story of the two brothers, uh, Liam and Noel Gallagher. And uh, it's just like the most dramatic angsty, kind of tragic, brotherly love story that you could possibly imagine. Um, and it's still playing out right now. And actually right now in a compelling way, because both brothers, since the breakup of Oasis in 2009, Noel Gallagher, the lead guitarist, an older brother, has been producing music pretty much since. Liam had, he basically took the remaining members of Oasis and formed a band called BDI. And that it's just a, not a good name, but they made two amazing albums and then it everything kind of fell apart in Liam's life. And then he just did nothing from 2014 to 2017. And then he came out in 2017 with an album called As You Were, and it was a fucking rocker. And everyone was surprised because Oasis had kind of destroyed his voice. Anyway, I'm getting too much into it. But he's got a new album coming out now. Noel's got another album. They haven't spoken in 13 years which is insane, but they're both making some of the best music of their career right now. So it's a great time to be an Oasis fan and a fan of Noel and Liam Gallagher. And of course, so you learn about the narrative behind what actually happened. And then as a, you know, a fandom person and a fan fiction person, you just, you start to put on the goggles. And uh, anyway, I'm into RPF now, into bandfic, and uh, I'm going to spend at least an episode with Laura talking about Oasis in particular and... Uh, at least that episode, if not another episode, talking about RPF, because it's never something I've gotten into. And now that I've gotten into it, I have I have thoughts. I mean, I always respected it as something that people do. But I think even then it gets short shrift, I think. And it brings up a lot of interesting questions about the nature of character and what is a fictional character and the nature of celebrity and public personas and uh, and the question of what is fan fiction and all that good stuff, which my friends at Retrofanfic Retrospective actually had a recent episode on what is fan fiction. Um, so they have some great thoughts. But anyway, so uh, and we'll do we'll do some other stuff. But that's that's kind of why the the season three icon is <laughs> as Captain Cold and Barry Allen and then the Gallagher brothers. Ah, it's very random, but I thought it was cool and I had fun. So that's all I got for you. Amanda. Mavison, professional author, writing cold flash fic under the name Crimson One. I am so excited you're going to love her. 
Um, so bear with me. Um, I'm going to play my little intro music here, which is, oh, for Anyways' fans, it's the theme from Supersonic. Oh, fuck. I forgot to mention Kyle. Cobra Kyle. Cobra Kyle music. Amazing. He did my last two seasons themes. He was nice enough because I've always connected it with, with Cobra Kai, and he's a huge fan. So this this season, I was like, you know what? I just got to follow my passions and my obsessions. This season is going to be Oasis. Um, so I sent him like fucking like 12 videos and I was like, Hey, what do you know about Oasis? And he was like, um, you mean like Wonderwall and don't look back in anger. And I was like, yes, but that's, there's so much more than that. And it's fucking badass. And you should listen to the first album. Definitely. Maybe. And it's amazing. Blah, blah, blah. And then I erased all that. Cause I was ranting and I was like, Oh, uh, maybe watch some of these. If anything intrigues you, um, just do it. And so he came back with the supersonic theme, which is badass. So enjoy. Listen to some Oasis. Listen to Definitely Maybe. It's their debut album. It's fucking rock and roll, baby. Speaking of rock and roll, let's do it. Thanks, everybody. Let's get going here. Hello, everybody. Um, this is Sarah, aka Talking Fanfic, and I'm super stoked because today we have an author and a fandom I've been excited about for quite some time, and this is the first time I get to talk about it. Um, so please welcome Crimson One. Um, Crimson One has published. Um, ooh, I, let me see how many, like seventy some works, I think, of the Cold Flash fandom. I- Oh yeah, just alone in there. Yep. <laughs> so welcome here, Crimson One. Thanks for coming on today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for for inviting me to join this. This is this is really exciting. I love talking fanfic. Yes, uh, it's uh, it's one of my favorite things, which is why I do this. And we're going to get all into that. But um, just to do a quick intro, you also write uh, original work. So can you tell us just like a little bit about like your real name and um, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I, I uh, my real name is Amanda Amanda Mavison. It looks like Muison, which I I always say thank you to my husband because he has the really interesting last name. Um, and I actually, the whole reason I took my husband's last name was because I knew if you Google me, you only get me. So if you if you look me up, you can find my website and everything about me and all the works that I do. I've been Crimson One on AO3 for, gosh, I don't know how many years now, but I chose that name because I'm Crimson One on fanfiction.net as well, which is where I really started posting. Um, and then I use Crimson in other places too. So like on Tumblr, I'm Crimson Domingo, and those are usually the, the ways you can find me. Or Akanichi Yobi, which is kind of the same thing, but in Japanese, that would translate to um, Red Sunday, like Crimson Domingo is <laughs> kind of the same thing, Domingo Sunday. Oh, I love that. I hadn't even picked up on the Domingo yeah, Sunday I know, thing. Yeah, yeah, D- yeah Crimson Domingo. It, it, it's actually supposed to be like a take on uh, the song Sunday, Bloody Sunday. Oh, and I I've just, that. yep, I've used it for forever. And I am a redhead, so uh, it, it works in multiple ways. <laughs> that's amazing. Well, you were starting to get into it, but oh, also, if you have, I'm just going to crack my beer here if that's. <laughs> I would have, but I might have had um, a few too many glasses of wine last night. And I was like, you know, maybe I won't. 
Uh, though my, my husband is a sort of an amateur bartender and he said, if you change your mind, honey, just shoot me a text and I'll bring you a cocktail. So <laughs> that might happen at some point. That's amazing. You get like desk service, interview right, service. Exactly. <laughs> That's amazing. Well, you um, have started to talk about it already a little bit, but let's just start out with like your kind of history and fan fiction, but let's rewind to like when you were growing up, can you tell us some of your like early writing and reading memories, kind of even before you got to fan fiction? Oh, sure. Um, I'm a very slow reader. People assume, I think, because I'm a writer that I'd be one of those fast readers. And I have some really close friends um, who are like the speed demon readers who always made me feel like I'm like, I'm like 50 pages behind you. But okay. So I'm really slow, but I was always really into fantasy and some way more adult books than I probably should have been reading. Like I read uh, The Vampire Chronicles when I was 12. Um, actually, that's one of my favorite stories that kind of ties into um, how I got started fan fiction. Because uh, when the movie came out for Interview with the Vampire, I think it was 92, what right. I'm guessing, 92, 94, something like that. Um, I was I was really super, super young. I think I was like 10 years old. And uh I wanted to go see it. It was rated R. My mom said no. So I saved up my allowance. This is the one time in my life I actually got an allowance for five weeks, which is impossible, of course, as a 10-year-old, because I had seen in Barnes & Noble the, the hardcover. I was too young to know that, oh, I could have gotten the paperback way cheaper, right? So I saved up and I the next time we went, I said, fine, you won't let me see the movie. I'm going to buy the book with my own money and you can't stop me. And so then she rented the movie for me after it came out. Um, and it didn't stop me from reading the books. I read them all. And it was actually uh, Anne Rice Vampire Chronicles that was the first fan fiction that I was reading, which is ironic because she's right. one of those historic <laughs> authors that put the kibosh on fan fiction, right? So you had to like dig into the bowels of the internet, you know, using Ask Jeeves and Web Crawler, you know, as I date myself um, for me <laughs> pushing 40 at this point. Um, but like that was um, like the first stuff was me digging around the internet and reading uh, Anne Rice stuff. So I almost feel like my first like love of any kind of reading just naturally progressed right into fan fiction so young. It didn't even feel like a separate entity to me. And that's probably why I, I think, why would I ever think lesser of fan fiction compared to books? Cause that was really, that was it for me, which is funny. Cause I did not start writing fan fiction in that. I never wrote fan fiction in that fandom. Oh. Um, I, I, I was definitely a lurker for a long time. I, I think I, I started writing, Let's see, when I joined fanfiction.net, which would have been in 2000, which okay. God was 22 years ago already, which seems <laughs> like seems ridiculous, right? I'm like, come on, just because 2000 is, is only a couple years ago, right? No, no, mm. it's a long time ago. Uh, for those, and, and for those who aren't familiar, uh, ff.net, I think it started in like 98. So 2000 was like the real, like by that point, that's when it was starting to ramp up. And yeah. I know I was in the first like, I think 15, 16,000 people to join because that's that's like my my number. Oh, for, yeah, you can see your user number. That's right. And actually, that's where the Crimson One came from, is uh, once upon a time in the beginning of fanfiction.net, uh, you could have the same name as other people. Like, there were a million Crimsons. We could all be Crimson and it didn't matter. And then they realized how complicated that was for people to find authors. I mean, like, you could click and your link would still be you. But if yeah. you're searching for somebody, that was a pain in the butt. So they ran this algorithm and it just auto-assigned numbers to you based on when you had joined. That's how I became Crimson One. I was the only the second person. So whoever was the first Crimson got to keep Crimson. <laughs> and I got Crimson One because I was the next one. So that really tells you how early I was in like FF.net's heyday. 
And I just never changed it. Like they, they did that. The auto did that. And then they said, go ahead. Now you guys can change your name to whatever. We just want everyone to have a unique name. And I just, I just never changed it. I think I was like bitter because I looked up that other crimson. And I was like, you've posted like five things and nothing in like, <laughs> you know, like they never, and I hear I'm posting hundreds of fix. And I was like, well, I guess I'll just be crimson one forever. Um, what, uh, what phantoms were you writing in back then? So my first actually um, was the Final Fantasy series. So uh, Final Fantasy seven VII and eight, seven would have been the first ones. I remember the first ones I actually posted were like little character studies, one about Vincent Valentine and one about Reno for people who are um, uh, FF fans. Um, but the ones where I was really starting to dig in and getting sucked into the fandom were Final Fantasy eight ones. And actually that that's one of my other favorite stories to tell. Um, it's because uh, Final Fantasy VIII fan fiction was what made me decide to pursue writing as a career. Uh, I was reading this one that I really liked. It was very like heavy and about um, emotional issues and things for the character Zell. So like dealing with, you know, suicide themes and really heavy stuff, you know, and I'm like seventh, eighth grade at this point <laughs> as I'm reading this, which is very typical. It's that's a very common thing, right? Because we're, we're mm-hmm. dealing with those kind of emotional issues at that age. So it makes sense. You kind of get pulled into that and people will write those types of things too. And I, th- I was very close with the author, like, cause I would comment all the time. And so we would talk back and forth and she ended it in a way where he still ended up killing himself. And I was like, you can't do that. You can't please. There's gotta be a way. And she said, I agree, but I couldn't think of a way to write it where he could live. And I said, can I try, can I write an alternate ending to this fic? And she said, absolutely. So it was also my first collab. And so I wrote like an alternate ending, you know, separately that I posted saying, hey, I have permission. I'm actually working um, with the original author on this. And I tried to find a way to work him through his issues so that it could have a happy ending. And it was because of that, one of the anonymous comments I got at one point said, I'm so glad, you know, that you that you did this. I really needed to hear this. You know, I I've been going through some emotional issues and cutting and all these things. But because you wrote this ending, it gave me hope. And at least for today, I threw my razor blade away. And I was like, and I got, you know, I'm I'm a kid myself, so I'm all emotional about this. I'm like, the fact that something I wrote could make somebody feel that way, that was it. That's all I wanted to do after that. I'm like, I have, this is going to be what I pursue. I want to be able to have that kind of effect on people the rest of my life. And, you know, in different ways for different stories, but that just meant so much. And all because of, all because of fanfic and actually having that community involvement with talking with people and getting to be friends with other authors. Oh, man, that's such a cool kind of testament to both the power of writing, but also the power of comments, which are like sort of a unique as far as writing mediums. That's like really the only one where you get direct um, interaction with your readers like that. And so like the fact that that impacted you in a different way, but almost as much as it sort of changed their life, like they threw their razor away for a day. But this is like what made you want to be like, do this for real. Like that's Mm -hmm. such a. Oh, that's so cool. Um, oh, that's amazing. So that was um, in the early 2000s. Um, I think fanfiction.net had not yet – was that 2002 when they – This would before purge. the purge, yeah. Okay. So I lived through that. I was pretty lucky, actually. I didn't have any – I didn't get any – I've never had any fix lost to all that because, you know, that was back when we could do the NC-17 and everything. Mm-hmm. And I went back and looked and I'm like – you know, I don't really think any of my stuff at that point um, really probably earned that the NC-17 anyway. So I literally was just like, I'm just going to say R and 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 hope for the best. I didn't I didn't actually stop posting 
Well, I, I wasn't writing really sexy, crazy stuff at that point anyway. Like it was, it yeah. was a few years before I started actually writing, you know, like detailed graphic sex and things like that. Um, but I, ne- I just was like, meh, <laughs> I would just post it anyway and say, if they get rid of it, they get rid of it. I'm not, you know, I'm still going to post it here. Cause I, di- I did try to go over to live journal for a while, but I always found it really confusing to find things and follow people. Like it just wasn't a platform that I latched onto the way some others did around that time. So I still have, like, it's still out there. <laughs> My live journal is still out there, which is nice. Cause once in a while, if I need to find something that I only posted there for whatever reason, I'm glad it's still there. But um, I was really lucky in the purge. It was more like I felt like I was on the outside looking in because I had stuff. But for whatever reason, I never got pinged. I never had anything removed. I still backed everything up because everybody was like, oh, my God, back up all your fix. Make sure you've put them other places. I still have like the same folder where I like backed up all those old ones um, from that time. Uh, But yeah, I, I was one of the lucky ones who never actually lost anything. Did you have, I just out of curiosity, were you writing on like a family computer or were you able to have like a laptop at that age or anything? No, I guess that, that would have been four. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no, it was definitely a family computer. Yeah. It was our only, oh my gosh. Yeah. Only computer. I didn't get a laptop until I went to college, um, which would have been like 2003. Well, really, I guess it's not that different, right? 2003 is when I graduated uh, high school. So that's when I got my first laptop. But when I was, so that's a good three plus years there where I was just writing on the family computer all the time. Um, and I never hid any of the things that I was doing. Like I never hid from my parents. Like if they would have seen over my shoulder what I was doing, I would have been like, yeah, this is what I'm doing. And I granted, I wasn't um, into Slash right away either. Like I, it took it took a few years before I started finding it and feeling more comfortable with it. You know, when I was, you know, discovering my own sexuality and things like that, it kind of like led there. But mm. even then I never hid it. Like my parents are fully aware of the types of things that I write um, and have and have all my books. So I was lucky in that in that way too, where I never felt like I had to kind of hide it, even though I was using the family computer. Yeah, that's super common. Uh, I think people, I'm in my 30s, and so I'm l- like a, kind of that same generation where there's a family computer. You probably got like Windows 98 on it. You've got oh, dial-up yeah. internet for a while. Yep. Um. So, but I was definitely like I was, you know, I had an extra browser up to just like click out real fast. I and I don't know what it was that made I wasn't like. I don't remember like reading porn or anything, but, and I wasn't writing at that point, but for whatever reason, it just felt like something I didn't want to explain to my parents, um, which is a little sad to me because I feel like they, they would have understood, I think. Um, I don't, I don't know. Um, but they never really pushed, but I definitely was like, I look back now and I'm like, they didn't really believe I was looking at shopping around for like, dollhouse furniture on hobbylobby.com for like five hours at like 10 o'clock at night like what are you who are you kidding but anyway that's amazing that you were able to be um open with that so um you, so a lot of your we'll get into your original work i think towards the end of the show because we'll jump into fan fiction but you mentioned slash um because that that is something that you primarily write now in both your fic and your original work um yes. so how did you get into uh slash pairings so that actually came more about when I started shifting from being really into uh, video game fan fiction and into anime. Um, I mean, I had, I didn't really write, you know, I didn't really write any slash for the Final Fantasies. I would like occasionally stumble upon one and read it. And it was like, oh, I didn't expect it to go that direction. This is interesting. And that's kind of how it happened with the anime too, where it was like, I was just in general looking up fanfic and then I'd stumble upon one by accident. 
Mm-hmm. So for me, it was Weisskreutz was one. Um, it's about these guys. It's super cheesy. It's about these guys who are assassins at night and by day they run a flower shop. Like it's meant, Amazing. meant to be something that you turn into slash or like the normal tropes, right? It's literally flower shop and then they're assassins at night. And it's four main guys and there's never really any female romantic interests for any. I mean, there are here and there, but it's like mm. no, nobody long lasting, right? So pairing, you know, the two different pairs is is just automatic, pretty easy to do. And so I'd stumbled upon one that is still to this day, you know, one of my one of my favorite pairings, which is between the characters, um, Aya and Ken. And I read this one, and it was really just like, sweet, sweet, and innocent and cute. And you know, they, they're kissing and all these things. And I'm like, I really like this. And I started, you know, then I just start diving in and, and um, reading more. And then once you're reading, if you're not hitting that itch of the thing that you really want, well, you got to write it yourself. Then. You got to write just, it. That, that's what happens. So that was kind of my first foray where I got a little bit of a following on FF because I started doing, I was, I was writing a lot with them. Um, and I had some, some fairly good epics. I mean, one of the first things I did with that fandom was the self-insertion. You always got to do it. We got, <laughs> yeah. That is the road we pave. Everybody does it. And that's fun. And I, I hate when people feel like, oh, that's so, che- oh, that's so stupid. Oh, that's so cheesy. Like, no, no, that's, it's important. I think it's the rite of passage that we all need to do. And there's nothing wrong with that. But then once I found the slash, it was like, I felt more comfortable writing from these male perspectives than I ever had writing a character that was supposed to be me. And, and you know, just to throw out all the LGBTQ plus type stuff, I, I, I very much identify a little bit more with male characters. I don't myself, I, I'm, she, you know, she, her pronouns personally, but I, I, I always say I'm, uh, the one I like to identify as is a demigirl, which is like, I can be very, you know, feminine and I consider myself a girl, but you know, sometimes I just relate more to that male perspective. I feel more like a guy. Mm. There's lots of things about me that kind of fall there. You know, I'm, I'm bisexual. It just, it always kind of fit better. So when people ask me, why do you write slash? I say, I, those are the people I have, I have rapport with. Like those are the, that I, I feel like it's more me when I'm writing from their perspective. It feels more genuine somehow or something it feels more like myself and i know it's different for everybody but for me that was that was it so stumbling upon this was like eye-opening for like my sexuality and my identity and and i just felt the muse kick in and loved it um and i i eventually transitioned to sayuki which is another one where i was fairly well known and popular at the time like i mean i don't know what's popular as a fanfic author it's hard to know like i felt like i was popular because i got a lot of comments and had you know some, some uh, good followers and likes and all those things. Um, so I, I, I don't know if people would actually still remember some of those old ones, but I, I had some epic long ones in the Sayuki fandom for a long time. Um, and the same thing, it, it, it's, you know, four, four main character guys, very easy to p- p- set, set them in the two pairs. Mm-hmm. It, it's kind of written that way. Um, and from there, I, you know, I dipped my toes in a few other different anime fandoms for a really long time. It was a while before I actually did Slash because, uh, you know, anime and, and, and manga and video games, it usually we, people think of it as yaoi, which I hate that pronunciation. It drives me crazy. I, I always say yoi. I, I, I always I've always grown up saying yoi. Like if you hear a Japanese person say it, I feel like it sounds somewhere in between the two. Mm. And so I'm like, oh, it's hard for me to say yaoi. That's like one of my little pet peeves. And I'm like, I know that's how literally everybody else pronounces <laughs> it, though. I know I'm in the minority here. But I always said yoi. Um, and uh, people have different uh, definitions for what both mean, right? I mean, they mean the same thing. You're pairing two male characters together, um, slash the same thing. 
Um, but I always thought of Slash more so like live action. And then I thought of Yoy as being, mm. you know, the, the non. That was that was how my head interpreted it at the time. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure it was Supernatural. That was my first like live action dive into it um, kind of stuff. So it's like I, I just did the whole transition and eventually I was just hooked. But I usually will have like that one at one fandom that I'm totally obsessed with for a given period of time. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you move on to the next and sometimes you'll go back and revisit. Um, but I actually, in, in college, my freshman year, I did an entire paper about like the history of Yoi and how, where it came about from the Japanese perspective. Like, why is this happening? You know, like, so, I mean, I've even cool. in the academic circles uh, discussed a lot about fan fiction and all and slash culture and all these things. So. Oh, that's so cool. Were you in the uh, Supernatural fandom long? I know. I noticed on your AO3 page, I think you have a couple Dean Cass posted there. So uh, AO3 is um, a lot was a lot later for me. Hmm. Um, so most of my Supernatural stuff is on FF.net. I didn't transition things over because I was like, oh, it's going to take like a million years. Like I, I put a couple, like I tested a couple. I'm like, let me see if some of these old fix, if I just throw them up, but I'm like, the ones that I've written are so long. I just couldn't imagine moving them all. So if people want to see like my old supernatural stuff, all of that is on FF.net. Um, that was kind of around the time I was transitioning, um, that I was a a good amount of years. Um, basically, um, Incubus, I know we're going to wait before we get, um, to my original stuff, but, um, my Incubus saga trilogy, which is books, is a supernatural fanfic that I flipped. Awesome. Sweet. So, and this was like, if you go to the post on ff.net, like if you see the words, it's over a million words for everything that's there. Because I have like drabbles in there, like the amount of chapters. Oh, like crazy. It was enough to fill three books, but then it's also filled with like, I did contests where, um, where people would get to like, um, like I had a dream once that was a, a Wincest dream and I did a, a but I, it ended at like a really great point. So I totally did a contest about my fans for the Incubus one and said, all right, you guys have finished my dream. Since I didn't get to finish it myself, how would you finish this, you know, Wincest dream that I had? And then I like awarded, I forget what I awarded. Some, like sometimes I would award, reward people for things like that by like having them be an NPC random character in the fic that they're running, running across and things like that. Like, so it was kind of a big deal during that time. Like it has a ridiculous amount of comments. It was like, it, it was huge. Cause I wrote it over um, two years. Uh, what, I hadn't, what's, it, what's it called? If you don't mind my asking. It's just called Incubus. Okay. So it's real easy to find. And then I have, I have like side stuff, um, that follow that same universe or sometimes people would ask me, Hey, what would, uh, Sasha is my original character. It's not a, a, a Destiel one. This was, I wrote it before Destiel existed because it was written, uh, at the start of season two, two, no, cause we, yeah. Start uh, of season did... two. No, three, oh, okay. start of season three. I started writing at the start of season three. Uh, so Cass wouldn't exist yet. Yeah. Cause he's season four, right? He's four. I think. Yep. Yeah. I, I eventually work him into the story, but he didn't exist. Uh, so, uh, Sasha is a, um, a uh, male original character that I put in there who is the incubus. He's, he's the titular character. Um, and that was another big thing is a lot of people will sort of like hem and haw over OCs, right? Like you don't put oh, yeah. OCs in something and everybody just loved him so much that it, nobody cared. And it, it got a huge following, which was so exciting. It's one of the reasons that it, I, it still is one of my most popular um, original books because I, I had a following of the fanfic uh, readers who kind of went with me when I turned it into an original story. So that was very helpful. 
Um, but the funny part about that one was, so when Supernatural was first coming out, I was in college and I remember seeing the trailer for it when I was home for some, for the summer vacation and going, that looks stupid. I wish they, I wish, I wish those guys were cuter. They're not very attractive. Like I remember literally (laughs) thinking these things about seeing the trailer. I'm like, neither of them are very cute. You know, literally that's what I thought. So, you know, go through college. Hadn't watched the show. That would have been the first two seasons. Then the, the summer after college ended, so this would have been 2007. Um, my sister-in-law, uh, not yet then sister-in-law, uh, but bought um, my husband for his birthday, season one. So we're watching season one. We are instantly hooked. We're like, oh my God, I love this. I'm like, and I'm remembering how I felt about that trailer. And I'm going, what the hell is wrong with me? These guys are gorgeous. Why did I not think... I, why did I not find them attractive when I was first watching this trailer? Uh, but my husband loves it too. We're, we're like so invested. Absolutely loved it. So season two came, was going to come out like a week or two before season three started airing. We bought it and binged it so that we could be ready to watch yes. season three. So we bought two on our own. And it was while we were watching the show. I, I don't know what episode it would have been. Um, but I literally remember, like I can picture this moment. This was like one of those author epiphany moments that rarely happens where I'm standing behind the couch in the basement in my uh, mother-in-law's house, you know, as we're watching this and Sasha as a character literally just like came to me and said, this is my story. This is where you're writing me. This is who I am. Like he was fully formed in my head. I knew what he looked like. I knew his background. I knew everything about him. It was like beamed into my head. He needs, he's, he's for Dean. He is meant to be with Dean. Um, And I started writing it. And so, and you can see that since it, so I wrote it between seasons three and five and you can definitely tell because I'm weaving in. Like I start it before that happens. Like I think I started writing it right before the season started. So they have their initial like meeting Sasha going on an adventure thing. And then I weave it into that season. So certain episodes you'd recognize like when they deal with the seven deadly sins and uh, certain things that happen with Bobby. And then when Castiel appears, it's just the way things happen um, is differently. Like I have my own version of the devil. That's a main character and, I did everything very differently. Um, and it was just a lot of fun. Like I actually had people writing fanfics of my fic, which is one of the best feelings wow. in the world. Um, I, that, that's actually how I, I, I became good friends with another really great uh, supernatural author, um, Dean Girl One. She, yeah, she's also Dean Girl One, isn't she? Yeah. Um, and uh, who's fantastic. Also a scholar who's done a lot of like talks at universities about slash and fan fiction and how wonderful it is. Um, and we had this great friendship where she actually wrote this amazing side story for Incubus that I then asked her when I flipped it into an original story, I said, I really want this, this is canon for my story. I really want to include that. Is it okay if I take your work, rewrite it in my, you know, my format? Cause we have different styles. Um, and so it can actually be part of the book because it was just like, no, this is part of the book. This is part of the story. It has to be in here. Um, and there were lots of little things like that where, um, where I just had such a great, I would have fan art, you know, done form, you know, done of, well, Sasha, I have tons of Sasha. Um, and I have, uh, tons of like, I hate, I'd hate to spoil things, I suppose, by saying things that happen in the story, but certain things that happen and different ways that the characters, um, progress. I got, you know, fan arts of that. Um, and it was, it was just one of the best experiences ever. That's <sighs> really what like skyrocketed me into just being totally immersed in this, which I lost for a long time, actually, um, when I started getting out of Supernatural until The Flash came along. And then it was like, 
renewed, rejuvenated from there. But um, Supernatural, everybody has, you know, that special place in their heart for it um, because it's such a big fandom, right? And I am actually a huge Destiel fan now too. Um, But man, that was was something special. And I I feel very um, proud that I managed to, to get so far with that fic when it was an OC. Like there's a, the main pairing is Dean with someone who never existed in the show. And that was just a lot of fun. Yeah, that's amazing because it is true that like, OCs and main pairings are like, especially a show in those early days where it was, and I and I'm a Winces fan, and it was until cast came along, it was like it's a it's a two character show, so like that's all that's all you, you gotta had. do, yeah. and that like intense codependency is so kind of integral to the, sort of the aesthetic and the feel of the show that I imagine coming in with an OC, there's a little bit of a barrier there maybe. Um, to get people to actually click on that and give mm-hmm. it a chance. So that's amazing that you had that kind of success. And um, uh, that's so cool. Were you just r- real fast? Were you writing? You said you were weaving in the canon as the seasons came out. Um, mm-hmm. Were you like watching weekly or were you able to binge? Like uh, watching weekly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this is all like you had, you knew Sasha, you had a story, but mm-hmm. actually you're posting and writing as you go. Um yeah, that's that's always like it's always impressive to me. Like when people can do that and shape a story, and I'm sure that like like any writing, you get better as you go. But oh, just absolutely. like, is that hard to like keep an arc going as if you're posting as you go and you're and you're weaving in canon, which you don't know until you actually see the episode. Exactly. Um, and sometimes I would wait like a few weeks. Like I wouldn't take, I wouldn't let canon disrupt what I was doing. Right. Mm-hmm. It was only if I wanted to, only if it fit. Well, because um, at the time, I didn't have an end goal in mind other than get Dean out of hell, right? Because this is is the season where he has the ticking clock. Yes. And so it's like, I know I want to get through that. And I know I don't want to jump the gun on what the show does. I want to see what the show does and make up my own mind about how I want to play that out. Because at this point um, in the show, we we don't get to meet the devil. We don't get to see um, what hell was like for Dean really it kind of like gets sprinkled out after that like there's a lot they there's a lot they could have played with more with his trauma and things I always felt that they Absolutely. did not and so I had a lot of fun torturing him um by by doing something <laughs> very different because I had the meet um the devil before his his time was up like they, they actually get to meet him like I, I knew I wanted to go through that whole process where I he still needs to go to hell, but he needs to come back. It's the arc of him falling in love with Sasha, obviously, too. Um, and then uh, I kind of built in this this doomsday type of plot where it's like, well, which you know, Supernatural does it too, right? Like it's it, everything's gonna it's gonna be Armageddon, right? It's dealing with that. So I knew I wanted to go that the whole gamut. And Kripke always said he wanted to finish it at season five, and they did not listen or do that. So to me, since I was writing this between seasons three and five, I was literally writing what to me is my canon ending for this show. Yeah. But I had no real plan. And it's it's hard for me to do that now. Maybe it's maybe it was the freedom of being more of an amateur back then. But now that I do this for a living, it's like I have to have a, a stricter outline and a plan in place. And I, I t- tend to not have a series. I tend to do standalone books. Um, but this one was just like like something possessed me. Like it, I, I was brought along on this ride and had no control over it for the most part. And I definitely encourage people, um, read the difference in the fic 
and the original book. You know, if you're someone who would be interested in both, they are very different. Obviously, they have to be because when you're flipping a fic, you have to make sure that you've taken away everything that can be, you know, copywritten type, you know, stuff, right? You have to be very careful about that. Yes. But it's also like, I turned what is a million words on FF.net also because of drabbles and random stuff. And the three books, I think, are under 500,000 words altogether. So, I mean, I cut and I changed and I moved. I mean, I did a lot to make it a more cohesive book because I was kind of writing by the seat of my pants each week for those two years that I wrote this fic. Um, and yeah, it's just a, it's a very different experience. And it was definitely like writing it episodic like a TV series. And what I ended up doing without even trying was it did actually create arcs. So kind of like, like you'd have some episodic things happen to the boys, but there were arcs of things like the seven deadly sins and dealing with them was an arc to the story. And then it's like, mm -hmm. you'd have another piece of it. And then a, like one, you know, they, it'd be several chapters of them dealing with some monster in some, some random place, right. That they have to defeat. That'd be a whole arc to the story. Um, and so it was, it became this crazy, insane entity um, that uh, when I eventually flipped it into um, into a book, I was actually posting the original version, Serialized 2. Um, there's this uh, website called Big World Network that I, I, I actually was uh, like a co-owner for the company for a while, but then stepped away. But the idea was to kind of like fan fiction post serialized original stories. And it was perfect for fitting what I was doing with Incubus into a season if you will, almost just like it was its own TV series. So it, it lent itself to all that very well. Um, so it felt like I was writing episodes instead of writing chapters. Yeah. So you're kind of like learning about pacing and structure and all that stuff, like just by nature oh, yeah. of doing it and probably not consciously thinking. I mean, maybe you were at that time, but I'm sure that's a, a huge lesson. And then flipping it into original is like, and we'll get into that obviously with, with lovesick today. Um, I imagine that's just like a huge like workshop into like examining what you've done and revising and how to make oh, yeah. it better. Um, well, let's talk about um, uh, how you got into cold flash. Um, Cause this is your main, your main phantom and your main ship. Um, yep. What you said after Supernatural, maybe it had been a while. Um, how did you get into uh, The Flash and Cold Flash in particular? So uh, The Flash is my favorite superhero. Well, fairly tied with Spider-Man. I'm also, if, if I can mm. choose, you know, Marvel DC then. Sp Spidey's always been, you know, one of my one of my first favorite superheroes. Uh, but The Flash is, is one of my others. I, I actually have some vague memories of the 1990 TV series with John Wesley Shipp. <laughs> Uh, who I have met um, and is just the sweetest man in the world. If you ever get the opportunity <sighs> to meet this man, he is just fantastic. Um, I actually found a DVD pack of the season of that flash at my local Goodwill that I bought. And so my husband and I blew through it and we're like, the, the pilot actually kind of sucks. But other than the pilot, it's really good. Like we were surprised. We're like, wow, it's really a shame that it got canceled because they, they couldn't afford Like the budget was, is budgetary problems that they got canceled. But it was really great. And I had these vague memories where there's a couple episodes we watched. Um, and I'm like, I can almost remember seeing this on the TV when I was a kid. Like, I can almost remember it. Like, I would have been six. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, my God, I can almost picture it. Um, but I'm actually a Wally girl all the way. Um, yeah. So, so I'm a big comic book nerd, too. Uh, so for people who don't know Flash history, so Jay Garrick, 1940. Barry was the Flash in 1957. Wally became the Flash in 1987, so I'm born in 1984. 
Wally was my Flash. I mean, I grew up with him. He was the one in the comics. Um, and then for anybody who's never watched the Justice League commercial, yes. oh my God, you have to, commercial, why did I say commercial, uh, TV series, uh, you have to watch it. It's flawless. Like, it's absolutely amazing. But because Wally was the Flash during this point in time, Wally is the Flash. It's not Barry. Um, and Wally's a redhead. And, you know, I love well, that version of him anyway. Um, mm. And I just, I, I was a Wally girl. So when I heard that they were going to be adding the Flash to the Arrowverse, I was like, is it going to be Wally since it was Barry before? I'm like, oh, it's not. It's going to be Barry again. He's not even going to be blonde again. They cast another brunette. Are you kidding? Like, I was so, like, I was angry. I was like, come on. Like, come on. I want something different. And I remember when uh, he get, got introduced on an episode of The Arrow, and I'm like, this baby, this kid, he's going to be Barry, seriously. I'm like, well, he is pretty adorable, but gosh, he looks like he's 19, you know, which is the joke in the episode, too. Like, he doesn't look old enough to drink. And, but the thing was, I, I thought, I found him adorable anyway. And I'm like, well, we have to watch it, because Flash is still my favorite superhero, so we have to watch it. And, of course, it was unbelievably good. Like, season yeah. one, nearly flawless. Like, just so mm -hmm. good. But I didn't even touch Fick until, I think it was, like, almost right before the season finale. Like, I just, I... I Something needs to click in my head, I guess, sometimes for me to even think to look. And for whatever reason, I wasn't really feeling it. I didn't feel the need. I, I think I was too much wanting to know where they were going to take things. Mm. Uh, the one thing I knew for absolute certain was that during this time, season one, Iris was my favorite female character on TV. I was yeah. like, the way they wrote her season one... Oh my God. She was just amazing. Like everything she did, she, she didn't do that damsel in distress thing. Like she'd need to be saved, but then she'd be the one to punch somebody in the face. You know, I just loved her. Yeah. And I loved her and Eddie so much. Uh, I was Eddie like, is just Eddie's the best. I love Eddie. And I was like, how are you going to make me want to eventually root for Iris and Barry when I love her and Eddie so much? But I trusted them. I thought, you know, I was sad that it had to be that Eddie dies, but I was like, okay, I, I trust you to see where you go. But because I liked them so much, it made me, you know, my brain start, you know, yeah. going, I want somebody else. Look around. <laughs> you know, I want somebody else. And of course, him with Linda was gross to me because Weird. for people who don't know canon comic books, Linda is for Wally. So I was like, ew, gross. No, no, you can't be together. <laughs> that doesn't, that doesn't make sense. Um, and I actually loved Patty with him too. Um, I really, she was cute. She was super cute. Um, and I, him and Felicity were adorable too. So it's a, but I just, I just kept feeling like I don't want something to break up Iris and Eddie. They're such a cute couple. And so I thought, I'm just going to peek. I'm just going to look on, on AO3 and, and see what's there. And so I wasn't filtering anything. I was just randomly seeing what's there. And I'm like, filled with cold flash, right? Even at this oh, yeah. point, there was so much of it. And I'm like, I could see that. I mean, they have, they, they had some good chemistry. Wentworth is freaking amazing. So, okay. And then I started reading and it was like, instant downward spiral like it was <laughs> yeah. so i was like yes this this is what is missing this is perfect um and i don't even remember what actually uh triggered my idea for the first one i started writing which was um out cold uh was the first one i started writing um which uh it's 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 okay it's meandering like i don't i didn't have a good plot in place like i if i went back to that one i'm like yeah it's all right it, it the pacing's not great, but I was getting my feet wet on it. And it actually, there uh, at, at the time on Tumblr, there was um, this amazing girl, Cold Flash Trash. Oh, who, yeah. Yep, yeah, absolutely phenomenal. Just great. Lots of fun. And she would like, 
post constantly um, while watching the show and then like do like running commentary on some of the most popular cold flash fix at the time. And when I was chosen as one that she was really getting excited about, I was like, Oh my God, I I've made it. And you know, they had, people will actually see me and like, like this fic, fic now because cold flash trash talked about it. And so that kind of kickstarted things for me. And then I had done, uh, after the first uh, Bivolo episode, um, I had done um, uh, At the End of the Rainbow, which is one I want to say, well, what, you know, how close could rage be to passion? And so I have it where, you know, Barry gets affected and then naughty things happen. Um, Amazing. And that was kind of like, uh, I, I want to say I had posted like one chapter of Out Cold and then I did that one shot. And the one shot was the, one of the first things that Redhead read of mine. So that's kind of what started our relationship. Um, who's also phenomenal and an amazing uh, cult flash author. Um, and yeah, it was just, it just kind of became a thing. Out Cold was the first one that kind of put me on the map for cold flash, but I, I, I mean, it's all right. You can read it. it, it yeah. That one's about uh, Len gets uh, knocked unconscious and uh, has amnesia. It's like the amnesia trope. Yes. So it's like them forming a relationship without like he, he's aware of who he was, but he doesn't because Barry tells him, but he, has no like connection to that life. And so he, it, you know, them falling in love and then him getting his memories back and trying to sabotage things because that's what Len would do. He's naturally self-destructive. Um, and just that whole thing. So it, like, it's a fun idea, but it definitely meanders a little bit. It's not my favorite, but it was my first. And then from there, I just, I mean, gosh, yeah. In the, the flash fandom alone, I, I have to have like 70 some between drabbles and longer works, but um, it definitely was a, I'll just peek. I'll just look and see what's there. And we all know that that means we are going to be hooked either to go down the, the rabbit hole of reading and or then have to write it ourselves. Like the just peak never actually works out. Yeah, it's amazing you have that. I had the same thing where I came over here from Smallville, um, which was, you know, kind of pre-Arrowverse. It sort of started the CW's um, kind of superhero mm -hmm. uh, genre. And I was a big Clark Lex fan. And somehow, um, yeah, and that just just as a quick aside, like I love I also loved how um, Iris's character, because I felt like, you know, back in 2000, when they started 2001, when they started Smallville, they didn't really know how to write a female character, really. Lana, Christian oh, is a great. grading an awful and I, <laughs> and I, hate, I, I hated her I, character. I hated I have her affection for her. But yeah, she was obviously just like not. I mean, there's all kinds of issues that we won't go into with Smallville yes. writing because it's fucking. But the CW seemed to have learned some things, hopefully, over the course of Smallville and Arrow. And I was also just so impressed with the se season one of The Flash. It was like, oh yeah, oh you guys learned some shit. Like this is oh, this yeah, is what yeah. Smallville sort of should have been, like well planned and well Absolutely. written. Absolutely, I think season one and season two of The Flash are near flawless. Yeah, season three is when it starts to have some issues, but uh, yeah. I, I feel like it was that beginning. And that's actually a CW trope in, in and of itself. They will usually have one to two perfect seasons of something. Mm -hmm. And then blah, blah, blah. like, then it kind of yeah. do doesn't hold up to the same standard or quality usually after that point, but we always have fan fiction to fix that. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting because I got to the fan fiction first. Some, I think I was reading, um, I was getting into, into the comics because of my interest in the character of Lex Luthor, and I picked up a series called Forever Evil, Ooh. which um, is maybe New 52. I'm not sure. But anyway, it's like the Justice League is incapacitated, and our heroes are um, not available to save the world from this like evil Justice League. And so 
Lex ends up having to sort of do the job himself, and he recruits Captain Cold mm-hmm. among all the, the – there's like Catwoman and Sinistro and Black Adam. So all the villains kind of have to save the day. But, it was- but all the ones who make sense – who would who would do that? Like there are some that you couldn't get to do that, right? Like you couldn't ask the Joker to help for something like that. Oh, absolutely. But those that that list of cast members that makes perfect sense to me. Well, and especially Captain Cold, and because uh, I I knew about Captain Cold, I I also watched the Justice League animated series, and also also because Michael Rosenbaum incidentally voices Wally. Right? Yeah, this is so funny. So wonderfully um, too. He's, he's so beautifully. He's it's like he is basically Wally West. He's such a goofball, but. Um, let's see, where was I going? So, oh, so I was intrigued by the character of Captain Cold. He's not in Forever Evil a ton, but he's, uh, it's very apparent, like, um, from what I read there and then kind of looked into that he is not your typical villain. Like the rogues are unique. I think in the flash canon in the Mm -hmm. comics and now in the show is like, they're not your typical villain, which is that like, it's in the Superman world of Superman. It's like the world's greatest hero and Lex Luthor is like, even though you can see some gray in there, he's like a billionaire and he has world sort of controlling aspirations, all this stuff. Like all the rogues want to do is like have some fun, have fun steal yeah. some diamonds, just like, you know, get drunk and and just have their kind of not get drunk, but but they want to have some fun and sort of just have their piece of Central City that they want. And so like I love that I think it, it shows in the 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 Flash TV show, um, even though we only get like what, like four episodes or five episodes in season one with with the rogues actually in there. Yeah, like I, I think it shows that they're. Um, it just feels more grounded, and I think Barry as a hero is like more grounded than something like as sort of hard to like ground as someone like Superman. Like he's so he is the ultimate kind of like his powers are just sort of overwhelming. Like he could destroy the world if he was in a bad mood and like. Barry, I, once you especially get into the canon, it's true that Barry's connection to the Speed Force is like crazy, but I don't know. There's something about him that feels more grounded to me. Well, it's all about him with his city, which I think makes you think more of like Batman. Batman's really just dealing with Gotham. Barry's yeah. really just dealing with Central City. Superman is dealing with the whole world and sometimes cosmic things. Yeah. And of course, depending on which material you're talking about, all of them can get wrapped up in cosmic things and worldwide things. But for the show, not really, except when we have a few of the, um, you know, crossover stuff where they are doing things like that. For the most part, it's like he's just keeping his city safe and his villains are only concerned with things about their city too. And so it does feel more grounded, I think, automatically, at least in the way they present it in the show. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think, um, this is probably an obvious question, but um, especially once you got into the cold flash, like you, you clearly you've written him so much, uh, Leonard Snart in particular, um, that you have this very clear thought through headcanon for like him and his personality. But we mm-hmm. really only got a, a few episodes, and like uh, Wentworth, I mean, besides being incredibly beautiful, and it it doesn't even do it justice, obviously, to look at a picture of him. Like you have to hear the voice yeah, and yeah. see him move and everything. It's amazing. Um, How so expressive he, d- he is with his hands, oh, which the I just hands. love. Oh, my God. Um, but would you say that um, I guess his performance in The Flash, I thought it was like, we want, we need more. But what we got was great, obviously. And then you have him in Legends. Um, was that enough for you to sort of build that character? Or did the 
it was it sort of a collective group think of the fic writers in the in the Cold Flash fandom. I think it's impossible for it not to become the group think because yeah. especially when you're really diving in um, to a pairing in a fandom, you're writing and reading so much that it just kind of exponentially grows. It's like I no longer need um, to even care about what we actually got as material because I have taken in all this material. Like, for example, we collectively decided he is Len because he's Len in the comics. He is never once Len in the show. That's crazy. Never once. Right. And I mean, Lisa still calls him Lenny. um, But other than that, it's like he's never called Len. But for people who aren't familiar with the comic version of him, he hates the name Leonard. He hates, you don't call him Leonard. Only his closest friends are allowed to call him Lenny, but he's Len. He's Len Snart. And that's how he would introduce himself. So, and if you know that, then that's just how we kind of started writing him. Because I'm sure um, certain people like Redhead, for example, she is like crazy scholar, will do insane research type of person. And then she can write like these crazy Tumblr posts where she's detailing all of these like things about how his performance was this and how it ties into these comics. Like, I don't have the patience for that type of thing, but it's like, thank God she did because she also, I think, gave me a lot of insight as I was reading um, like any of her works and, and, and any of that stuff. And it's just like, oh my God, so many amazing things. Uh, but I feel like there was a few people who would try to do Leonard and we're all like, no, it's, no. Len. it's Len. His name is Len. That is what you call him. And because that's where it's coming um, canon. But of course, there's lots of different versions of how he acts in the comics too. You know, New Fifty Two is entirely different from others, and like, yeah. So, but that the group think is definitely something that I think that just naturally happens when you're dealing with things like that. Like, for example, for anybody who's familiar with Michael Snart, um, uh, I was going to bring him yeah, up later. You got to bring up Michael Snart, um, which I'm, I'm pre- and that is Cold Flash Trash's baby. Literally, I'm pretty sure she's the one that that created him first. Um, and of course, the name Michael is coming because of um, uh, Prison, Prison Break, Break. Yep. which makes sense. Um, also, because Michael Ironside is his dad, I, we, you know, that kind of works too. Plays his dad. He plays oh, Louis yeah, Snart. I totally forgot so about that. So you also that. get that Michael in there too. So like some, some of us will say, well, I think it's probably literally Leonard Michael Snart. Um, and that's just throwing that out there too. And so it just was perfectly natural, it, the idea if he had a son, it would be Michael, because then it can also be like, oh, it's kind of he's kind of named after Mick too. Then you know, like there's yeah. so many ways that name works. Um, but oh, that that is like the group think perfect love child. I mean, it's just so amazing because there's so many different ways Michael exists because he doesn't exist at all. Sometimes he's you know, like I, I've written him um, as like a kid in Len's building in Lovesick. Yep. It's it's not his, but he has a relationship with him. Of course, he's not Michael Snart then; he's just Michael, but. And then I've also, um, I've written him as a kid where it's like Len didn't know he existed, but, um, you know, he, some girl he might've hooked up with however many years ago passes away and dumps this kid in his lap. A lot of people will do that route or he might be older. I've done a few headcanons where he's either a teenager or even in his twenties because he could be because, you know, Mm -hmm. Len's in his forties. Um, so it's just, what I love about it, it kind of makes me think, um, of, uh, Welcome to Night Vale, how, there's no perfect headcanon for what the character of Cecil uh, looks like because they don't describe him. But if you go on Tumblr and look it up, there can be a million different ways this character looks, but we're all like, yes, that is canon and that's canon too. And so is that. Anything can be canon because, you know, we've all kind of agreed to disagree in that way. And Michael's kind of like that too. There's no wrong way to write him because he's not actually a real character. But it was just such a fun thing that 
some one person came up with them and then we all started running with it. And now it's like anybody who gets into cold flash will very quickly become familiar with the existence of this character. Oh yeah. I was so excited. Um, when I found Michael, cause, um, yeah, a lot of those, it's like a found family where Barry, then if, if Barry ends up in a relationship with Len, he's kind of like helping, uh, out with Michael and it just ticks all my boxes. Cause in the, in the Clark Lex fandom, he <laughs> due to a, a, what, what do you call that? Um, I don't know when the comic book writers go back and change something. Clark and Lex actually have a uh, a test tube baby together, which is Connor. Yes, they Connell, do. Yeah. Which the comic books like to sort of skirt around and ignore and call him just a Superman clone. And it's like, no, nope. nope, he is their love child. <laughs> he is their love child. So I'm all about love children. So I was like, oh, there's one here too. Like even if he's not related to Barry, it's just like. Fuck yes, that yeah. is exactly what I was hoping, and it's more impressive that it was actually created by the fans. Like, yep, that's that's amazing. Like this, the Cold Flash fandom continues to amaze me with like the quality of the writing and the ingenuity and the creativity. And it's like, God, you guys rule! You're so you're so awesome. Um, well, let's dive into Timeless first, um, if that's all right. This is this is one that, and I I feel so bad because I should have posted on the Discord like weeks ago but i posted yesterday afternoon i was like if anybody has any questions i'm interviewing crimson tomorrow and um they were very excited um so i wanted to read a comment here uh just a couple of them um ice ice baby who's also known as luna uh because i told them we're doing lovesick and timeless for the most part so luna says Timeless is one of my favorite Cold Flash fix. I just love the combination of a late series Barry with the timelessness he has from the Speed Force and early series Len with his own brand of timelessness and how they come together. And the changes that Barry brings about, including Wally's earlier entry and beginning as Kid Flash. It broke my heart for Len when he realized Barry wasn't quite as present as he thought. Having a loved one there and yet not at the same time is very difficult. And poor Iris and Joe having to deal with that as well. I love all the little moments between Ebard, Wells, and Barry too, and all the little hints of things to come that he gives. And the resolution was awesome. I loved every bit of the fic, and I want to reread it again and again and again. Oh, that's so sweet. Isn't that sweet? That's um, sweet. Thank you. Shout out. Thank you. Yeah. Yes. And then Luna's uh, follow-up question. Well, let's see. Damey says, um, not quite a question, but a comment slash thank you. Crimson's works are the first I read in this fandom based on a friend's wreck and are probably part of what got me so hooked because they're amazing, especially Timeless. So thanks. Um, and Timeless in particular, it's like, not that we can always rely on kudos and comments and bookmarks, but this is your number one uh, kudos and bookmark cold flash fic on AO3. Oh, yeah. And people fucking love it. And it's <laughs> and once you start reading it, it's easy to see why. Um, so I'll go to Luna's question here, actually, uh, which is uh, what inspired Crimson to write this story? So, yeah, what, what do you remember about sort of your conception of this fic? Mm. Like many people, I would say, um, I was spurred on by this one because of disappointment in canon. Uh, so I, I've mentioned this before, and I, I have to admit the sad truth. I'm no longer, I finally stopped watching. I, I, I haven't been watching this season. I've been getting close to being ready to stop for a while, but I kept wanting to push. Uh, I personally don't think there was any good episodes last season at all. Like the writing's just awful. <laughs> they just got renewed too, which I'm like, uh, I wonder what Grant, what Grant thinks of that. <laughs> he was going to leave, but they keep throwing money at him from what I hear. And I, I, I don't pay attention to 
to rumor back stuff. So I, sure. I could be totally wrong. I don't really know what's going on in the background, but it just, I, and, and they just aren't giving um, Candace enough to work with. And mm-hmm. they're, they, you know, so many characters have left or gotten written out or being written poorly. And then, and characters that I don't care about are getting the limelight. Like I yeah. like Chester. Chester was actually one of the few new people who was written and done well. And that's Cisco's replacement. Yeah. Okay. I like him actually, but, um, but there was a lot of it that just didn't work for me. Like every time the council of Wells would come on, I'd have to leave the room because of secondhand <laughs> embarrassment. You know, that feeling, that secondhand embarrassment feeling. I, I that like all the different versions of Wells. Yes, oh, he no. talks to himself. I love, I love. Um, I'm blanking on his name right now. I, I love him as an actor. Tom Cavanaugh. Tom, yep, Tom. I love Tom. He's great. He's wonderful. I just, and he, I'm sure he's having lots of fun. But I just no, um, especially since it's like I uh, absolutely love Eo Wells, Wellsabard, however you want to say it. You know, when he's mm-hmm. when he's technically both of them. I loved Harry. I surprisingly ending, ended up loving HR. I expected for him to grade on me, and then I ended up really loving that. Is that like sort of well. that uh, European-y sounding with the no? The bowl that's hat? Okay. Sherlock. I do okay. not like Sherlock. He was awful. Um, no, uh, yeah, I, we that's I okay. can go into it. There's there's tons there's tons of things I could say about that. Um, but anyway, um, I, I think season one, and season two were flawless. Season three disappointed me a little bit because I, I they could have done more with Flashpoint. Mm-hmm. And then season four was the same thing. They should have done more with Timeless Barry, and they didn't. It was f- fixed pretty much immediately and in a very unsatisfying way. So I was like, oh, that just, come on, you need to do something more with this. Like, it didn't go anywhere. It didn't do anything. I mean, technically it did if you look at how his symbols eventually played into things later. Like, they spent so much time setting things up for future stuff in another season that the season they're working on is never very good. And that just kind of became a constant rotating thing. And I was a little annoyed by it. And I really wanted to write something with it. And I thought, wouldn't it be a ama- Cause if he's in the sp- speed force, the way he was when he was basically timeless like that, um, who's to say he couldn't come out at any point. So then I had, I just had that idea. I'm like, yeah, what if timeless Barry from the beginning of season four woke himself up at the beginning of having the speed force in a way to try to fix everything one last time, one Mm. last way to prevent flashpoint from even happening. Um, the idea being that while he was in that state, he could, he was almost like omniscient, omnipotent. He knew everything, but he also knew as soon as he went back into like normal time, normal state, all of that energy and everything would basically drive him crazy because he wouldn't be able to sift through it. So the best he could do would be to try to say a thing, you know, that kind of relates. Like he always knew what he was trying to say, but he could never actually do it. And oh my God, was this the most difficult thing I have ever undertaken because I basically had to look up the scripts for three seasons worth of stuff, actually even more in some cases. And I would have them all open and I have a very good, I have a selective memory, (laughs) let's say. Yeah. I have a very good selective memory. So I would think, I remember that somebody mentioned something kind of like this at this one point. What episode was that? What season was that? And then I'd have to look for it. And I'd control F to try to find it in the script. And then I'd Mm -hmm. have to pull that line out and copy it. And I actually had this like working document where it was just filled with random ones I knew I wanted to use at some point, but I didn't know where. Like I wanted to say this somewhere. Oh, finally, this scene, perfect. And then I'd plug it in. Like I, And then every once in a while I'd have him say something... He was allowed to occasionally say something that wasn't a past line, but only like a handful of times. Like usually that was when he started to um, kind of like skip, you know, and he kind of does the repeat yeah. rhyming thing. Then he could say other things, but it 
almost always had to be a line from the show, every single thing he said. So it was like, whoo, this is like the research and the time it took each episode to do that was a lot of work. Um, and I don't know what possibly possessed me to want to do it other than, you know, the idea hit me and I, I, I hit the ground running. And then it was just sort of natural too, where I thought, I usually um, write limited uh, POV, so I'll pick like one character or maybe I'll swap between Barry and Lynn. But in this case, I went into everybody. Like almost every single character got to have their perspective shown. Uh, Even ones that we barely got to see at all, like uh, Bet and, um, you know, characters that had like so little... and uh, uh, Peekaboo and oh, yep. act, which by yep. the way, random shout out. If nobody saw Free Guy, uh, Shauna was totally in Free Guy, and I was like, "Oh, oh I know nice!" That face. And I look, I'm like, it "Looks kind of like Shauna Maze. Is that who that is?" And I looked it up, and it was her. I'm like, "Oh, sweet! This is kind of fun to little thing to see her." Uh, but yeah, it was just really fun to be like, I'm getting kind of annoyed with the show. I want to give these characters what I think they deserve, and it was just a really fun. Um, experiment in writing something I've never done anything close to it. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was, it was annoyance. Annoyance with the show is what <laughs> mostly prompted me to want to write it. Uh, that's so cool. Yeah. I, I'm sure my uh, cold flesh listeners will be annoyed to hear it. Like I didn't even realize that the timeless thing was a Canon thing that, so, so you sort of took that concept and expanded upon. Yeah. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Yeah, that's. I was wondering because I saw in the author's notes that you were posting as you went, and you were also writing this concurrently with uh, Absolute Matchmaker. Oh my god, what was I doing? <laughs> I can't believe I was writing I think, it at the I same think you time. You started at least in the first few chapters, and I imagine just the the breadth and the and the uh, immense nature of the project. Probably, I, I'm sure that Matchmaker uh, got put on hold at some point because I think the author's yeah, notes you stopped so. mentioning, but. Um, yeah, I was going to ask, that was one of my things, because the whole concept of this, obviously, people will know Timeless Barry. He comes back to the pilot episode of season one, where Barry's waking up after his lightning strike. And so, as Luna said in her comment, you have um, season four Barry and now in season one, but he's not quite there, as you say. He's like timeless, so he's like kind of scattered in the past, present, future, and it's this really cool concept where yeah you see him he'll um a character will maybe ask him a question or try and interact with him and he might be lucid there for a second or, or sort of answer their question but it, it it goes into these like lines where you'll recognize it from like oh that line is from like that episode where he's walking with iris and they're talking about and he starts talking about um being an uber nerd and yeah, like yeah. uh Ant parasites or something like that. Yes, like so, something like that. Yeah. So that yeah, that's how you use those canon lines, and then and then so he's kind of like, uh, yeah, he's just like s- scattered. Um, where was I going with this? Oh, um, so it all kind of comes around in the end, where at least I remember there's a there's a section where Barry's I think before he uh interacts with Len or he's thinking about Len and you get these lines where you recognize a few of Len's lines from previous um episodes, but then there's some that you don't recognize, but that you come around to later towards yeah. the end of the fic. So since you're posting as you go, is that something where you would like make a note to like, I know I want him to say these lines eventually. Yep. Oh, that, that was very purposeful. Yeah. So when I did that, I'm like, okay, I have to put these lines and then I'm going to put a few random ones. And then I would, so when I'm writing, and this is true for fix 
original anything. I have the document where I'm, I'm writing it, whether mm. it's chapter by chapter or whatever. And then I have the notes document. Um, and it'll be 4,000 words worth of notes, you know? Um, and in that case, yes. So I had that it was like, okay, these lines have to fit in at some point. Uh, I think there was one that's like, uh, the hint of them potentially getting married sometime in the future. Like, okay, you don't get to that point in the story, but you kind of get the hint that it would be a line he would say someday in the future. Like I, I have some of those too, but I absolutely planned to fit like all of them in or like how, uh, when Barry and, and first meets Lisa in the fic, um, before he leaves, he says, thank you for the advice or whatever it is he says. And she's like, sure. And then she actually does give him advice later. Yeah. And that's what the thank you was for. But it's like, yeah, it's like all the God, that's amazing stuff. Yeah. Like that bo- life boggles my brain a little bit, like thinking about how stressful that would be to plan and execute. Like that's it wild. <laughs> it was, but it was, it was also just, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun too. Um, and actually um, I'm remembering too, uh, Luna mentioned, uh, and then dealing with Len, season one Len, but with his own timelessness. Cause my thinking is like Barry's coming. Oh, and, and uh, this is a good thing to mention too, for, the idea that Barry was lost in the Speed Force um, would have been after uh, Len died at the Oculus in Legends. So the idea is Len was actually there too, but a little bit less <gasps> stable. Oh. And I, 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 get, I give the hints of that basically right at the beginning um, and then kind of bring that back around. Like, yes, uh, because Len went, because a lot of us have the idea that, oh, he could still technically be alive because he blew up yeah. in the core of this thing of time. Like he could be particles in the speed force he could be something oh yeah like trying to pull himself back together um so he was kind of the force that voice pushing barry to leave his timeless state and try to do this is what i was trying to hint at so then even though barry goes back to the pilot episode since on some level len had touched that same timelessness too that kind of bleeds in after he meets barry it kind of bleeds like even before he meets Barry, really, he starts because he, he He's remembers having dreams. I think yeah, yeah. dreams about being lost in the void of of, mm. of all that. And I thought, and and I didn't plan this right away. Like I wasn't necessarily going to do that. Maybe a little bit with Len because I didn't actually know how I was going to end this fic when I started it. Like I didn't yeah. know how I was going to do the little the cube ending and how I and tie in the symbols. I wasn't quite sure. I, I kind of let the characters bring me there. Um, so Len's timelessness was more or less planned, um, but it was as I was going that I decided to give all the legends a little bit of it. So it's yeah. like, you know, you see it in Mick, you see it in Martin and Jack's. Um, I don't think Sarah actually comes in. No, I don't think I have the rest of the legends show up, but like that. The, oh, and actually I know Ray has a little bit too. Like, Ray, yeah, Ray's yeah, in there a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All of them, I, like, would give little hints where they like, it's like deja vu and they yes. feel it in a way that nobody else does. And of course, Cisco has his own kind of thing going on, right? Since he's vibe, but um, it was some of that came organically as I was writing them and deciding what to do. Um, but it was, I'm so glad I did it that way because then it lent itself so perfectly to how Len really gets to be the one to save the day in essence, mm. because of his own timelessness, because he was the one who sacrificed himself first and then Barry to become timeless, sacrifice himself next. So really Len kind of had to be the one to pull the final trigger because he set it all in motion even before Barry. Ah, that's so cool. I, I think I um I've read this twice now the first time around and then in the last day or two since so I was probably rushing through a little bit um so I think and also I think if I would have seen a little more flash cannon I would have picked up on that more like I knew I was like something about Barry's connection with Len is giving Len this timelessness I just hadn't thought about sort of the Oculus thing and it coming full circle like that it's so fucking cool 
And actually, uh, extra shout out to to uh, Red Harlequin um, on mm. oh, well, both in uh, writing fix and um, uh, Tumblr friend. Uh, she got me the bound version of Timeless that I have sitting next to me on one of my shelves. Um, I, I'm, I'm not. I'm going to blank on the name of the person on Tumblr who's been doing this. But if you look at my Tumblr and find my post, I, I added that person, so you'd be able to find them for anybody who's interested. But this person is binding your favorite fix, you know, in just gorgeously, amazingly. Like I know a lot of people have that hobby of doing book binding, but it's just beautiful. Like they're all unique. Like um, they chose like a red and blue cover for it. Cause it's called flash. Right. And it just like, there's little lightning bolts as the like space breaks. And it's like this treasured possession of mine now, but uh, red Harlequin contacted this person and got it for me asking if I would want it as just kind of like a gift. And it's because this is a story I could never flip. Like you can't flip a story like this. It's far too ingrained in Canon. So still being able to have like my own personal book version of it is really fantastic because timeless is one of my favorite things I've written. So I'm glad it's one that so many people really like. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Red Harlequin, uh, I think is one of the mods on the, I found the Flash discord. Yes. And it's so cool just to kind of like see everybody, there are this fandom, which is crazy. Like the fan arts are amazing. The oh writers God, are so amazing. amazing. So, so cool. Um, yeah, it, it just still continues to impress me. Like how, and we'll we'll talk about this probably more with Lovesick here in a second, but um, you seem to really thrive and like sort of plotty stuff. Not that you don't get those great character moments, but there's like so much going on where Barry's trying to piece together this future where he's trying to save everybody, where everybody lives, Eddie lives. Um, he knows he can't save his mother, but and but he's trying to save Leonard. And I think there's probably some other people in there. So he's got his motivations. Thawne is trying to get home and get revenge on Barry. And yeah, mm-hmm. as Luna said, those interactions between Thawne and Barry are great and like and very touching. And it just reminds you of like why Barry's such a great hero. Like the first thing, Thawne kind of starts to figure out that Barry knows more than everybody realizes and he he like looks at him and says something like do you know like do you like you get so angry like i even i, I, I hate to say it about myself but even when i'm because re- i reread this one a lot too because i love it so much like we are our own primary audience right like that's oh, yeah. what we write it for and like that what that's one of those moments that always gives me chills when i reread it i'm like i just love it so much because i i always i have a certain sympathy for his character um comic book wise too like because yes. you know it's a love-hate relationship. He loves Barry. He just can't get out from under his own ego and, uh, you know, a- a- allow them to just kind of work and forgive each other. And it's, yeah, it's it's sad. It's sad. Yeah. Yeah. And th- well, and the great thing is in this one, it's like you full, like in season one, you get tipped off as if you were pretty quick that um, uh, Wells, there's something wrong with Wells and something's evil. And then you find out about Thawne. Um, but Barry doesn't know until later and Barry's not as fast as he needs to be you know he's never fast enough and so it's like Thawne has been pulling these strings the whole time and Barry's really at a disadvantage but in this one it's like a true game of chess where Barry could see past present and future and he's he's season four fast and it's like this sort of it's like more of a true kind of or level of ability between kind of hero and villain. So I don't know. It just felt sort of more compelling that way. And that like Barry's kind of a badass and he knows exactly what Wells is thinking. He knows what he's going to be trying to do. And, uh, and Barry's not, you know, Barry has the ability to work around that and still, you know, get the end goal that he wants. So 
I thought that was fucking cool. It's like a more kind of elevated, heroic Barry able to deal with the manipulative kind of season one thon, which was awesome. And then, of course, um, I don't know if, if there's anything more to add about um, one of the more unique things about this is that we, instead of Team Flash, we really have Team Kid Flash here yes, with Cisco yeah. and Caitlin and everybody's sort of supporting Wally as the hero. Was that something that when you first got the concept of this fic that you knew it was Wally was going to kind of be the oh, Flash yeah, yeah. so that, that Barry could be off that of absolutely That had to happen because Barry couldn't be doing it, but somebody had to take up that part. Um, yeah. And again, I'm a Wally girl. Yep. Um, and again, so, so you know, I, I was so used to um, comic book Wally, you know, redhead. Um, and, and there is um, a ver- um, a, an African-American version of Wally in the comics. They actually both exist in the universe now. It's a whole, it's a whole thing. Yeah. Uh, as comics are crazy, right? Um, but man, and, but, you know, they already had made those huge casting decisions when they um, chose Candace for Iris and, um, uh, and Joe, who, who, by the way, is one of my all time favorite actors. I just absolutely love him. Was that um, Joe? Oh, we should look up his name. I know his name and I'm going to Jesse Martin. Jesse Martin. Yeah, Yeah. of course. I usually know, I usually know the names pretty well. Uh, Jesse Martin is one of my absolute favorites, like, you know, from rent and so many other great things. Like he's um, Allie McBeal. I used to watch back in the day. I remember him. Amazing. uh, Just so fantastic and amazing. So, you know, they had made those decisions. We, we knew we, we were going to have a different kind of Wally. And man, when I saw the casting choice for Wally and just his big smile, I was like, he's perfect. And he yeah. hadn't even acted yet. I just looked up a picture, you know, and I'm like, oh, he looks perfect. Look at that big giant grin. I just love him to death. Uh, Keenan's another one that I actually got to uh, well meet. Uh, I did uh, the CW fan talk a couple of times when yeah. it still existed. And the ones I got to meet were him, uh, John Wesley Shipp, who I did also meet in person later at a convention. Um, and then I always forget his name, but the guy who, um, Blonde Eobard. Uh, so, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I always forget his, his actor name. I feel bad. But um, since he wasn't, you know, he didn't get to be on it as much. Uh, but I got to the, the three of them. Um, and he was just great. But uh, because I'm such a Wally fan, I, I like trying to fit Wally in there wherever I could. Once he was introduced, I love trying to put more Wally in there because I just love him. And I wish we could have, I wish we could see more. Um, Wally Berry type stuff on the show. Uh, so it's a lot of fun to let him be the hero, even though he'd be like, so much younger. Like he was only yeah. 19 at that point. I was, I was doing, I was mathing it out. Like, okay, based on the actor's age and if he was here, like, I was trying to figure out how old, how would Wally be in season one? So like a literal baby kid flash, literally. Yeah. Uh, uh, so yeah, I, I definitely knew I wanted to do that. Cause I just love Wally so much. Yeah. He is amazing. Yeah. The, uh, is the actor Matt Letcher? Yes, that sounds right. Yep. He was great. All of them were fantastic to talk to. Um, On Fan Talk, you really only got to ask them all like a single question. It was more so you were talking with the host ahead of time. And then they were interviewing one of the actors before the show started. And then they had some fans on and you got to ask questions. And I probably could not tell you what my questions were for each of them. I don't remember. Because they also, since this was a... kind of a live thing they curated our questions so we got to kind of choose our question but then they'd kind of massage it yeah to make it easy you know you, you expect that kind of thing you know corporation yeah. type stuff but um it was still a lot of fun one of my favorite um aspects of it is the kind of pockets of timelessness that barry is able to kind of i don't know if it's a transport but like get hit sort of fold around him and leonard mm-hmm. when they're interacting and he's more lucid in those states and it's just that i felt like was kind of where more of the chem oh they always have chemistry but more of the romance sort of starts to develop and yes. and where yeah barry's more lucid about everything his timelessness and past present future and also he's able to be coherent 
um, to Lena and like explain kind of what's going on. And I think Leonard, I'm trying to remember if he has more memories in these pockets or sometimes because he's he's having the fact that he's having dreams. Yes, but it, he'll get more of those deja vu moments, um, and then it actually kickstarts more dreams. And it's like it's not quite the same, but like he can easily kind of I, I make it so that he's almost more in control of the timelessness eventually. Like it's mm. it's only around Len that Barry's able to do that because Len's the one that has that ability eventually to sort of project himself into different times as well. Um, almost like a meta power, but basically just a remnant from the Oculus was the idea. Yeah. That's so cool. I'm going to read the, just this little part. So they've, this is kind of later in the fic, uh, and him, like, Barry's just kind of insinuated himself into Leonard's life, like, showing up at the safe houses. And Leonard is just, I, I he's sort of, like, disarmed in a way that he doesn't understand. Like, normally he would not let somebody, tolerate somebody, like, showing up in his house and making sandwiches and, like, slipping into <laughs> yeah. his bed. But there is something about Barry that it's just, it's just, he can't quite... I don't know. There's something more there. Um, so this is like, they've been together, they made love, and they're sort of talking about that Leonard has these sort of memories. He's starting to realize he, he does have these memories from later, and Barry's able to explain it's 2015, but when it's 2018, we can live that moment again. Um, so yeah, let me just let me just uh, read here. This is Barry talking. I just need to hold out a little longer, and then when this is over, can we try falling in love from the beginning? Barry held him tightly and spoke against his lips as the last licks of lightning faded. Can I keep you? Len dropped his forehead to rest against Barry's. Yeah, kid, you can. Then you'll be a better thief than me for stealing something I never thought anyone could. He could see in Barry's eyes the moment when clarity began to grow clouded, and he clung foolishly at Barry's face as if he could hold his mind there, too. No, stay with me. Stay with me, Barry. Stay here. We can fix this. We can fix you. Barry leaned into his touch, but his attention still drifted. I know you think it's silly, but I like the Captain Cold statue at the Flash Museum. Did you really have to steal the hockey cup again this year? You're nothing like Lewis, you know. He switched topics so seamlessly, Len almost forgot to feel the drop in his stomach at the mention of his father. Your grandfather would be proud of you for turning away from crime to help people. There came the drop, because Len hadn't done that yet. Not really. Not yet. He helped Barry out of the shower, helped get them both dry, changed them into clean clothes, and left Barry to his doodling in the corner of the bedroom as he went back to the kitchen to clean up properly. It took all his strength when holding the last clean mug he was about to put away to keep from hurling the damn thing against the wall. Soon wasn't enough, but it was the only promise Lynn had. So it's just, there's all kinds of like little moments, but I thought that moment was cool when he's, Barry's there and then he's coming out and then Lynn kind of loses him again. And they have all kinds of moments like that. And it just builds this kind of like bittersweet romance that, of course, it's a happy ending and they kiss well, and Barry's there. It's so like, well done. I almost, almost always will give a happy ending because uh, that, that's what I want out of my fiction. Uh, because you chose that one, I have to mention one of the lines Len said when he's like, you know, um, we can fix this, we can fix you is one of the ones I teased earlier. 
And then the other thing too, is I, I sometimes forget this because I'm also a comic fan. Um, I will weave comic book things in as well. So Barry's that there's a little Easter egg there when Barry says, did you have to steal the hockey cup again? <laughs> because um, Len of course is a big hockey fan um, because he's, he's Captain Cold. I mean, <laughs> um, and I, for, it, it, they, they have different names. The, the team name is different. One? It's different sometimes. It, yeah. It's different sometimes. Um, but there's, I forget which comic it's into, but, he literally steals like the, the Central City wins the hockey cup and he literally steals it. And you can see throwbacks to it in later issues of that same comic run where you always see it like in the background of his safe house. And so I'm like, I, and I always thought that was so hilarious because like, again, they just want to have fun. Like, you know, they're just having a good time. Um, and so, yeah, I'll have like little mentions like that um, where I can, where I take things from the comic book universe too. So that was a lot of fun. Oh, I love that. Um, well, yeah, let's let's talk about um, lovesick, if you don't mind. And well, Absolutely. obviously, we've kind we kind of hinted at it already. Um, as your fans know, this has been adapted into lovesick gods, which these covers are amazing. I don't know where my know, camera is, so but um, we'll talk about lovesick uh, just kind of first, and then talk about that adaptation. So, um, on this one, can you talk about sort of your original concept or the initial idea, what you were hoping to do when you started this? Yes, this one was actually a prompt. Um, I feel bad that I can't remember who it was, but if I remember correctly, I was on, it was somebody who was commenting on something of mine on ff.net, actually, because for a while I was actually cross-posting, so I would post stuff to AO3 and ff.net. I've kind of stopped um, just because I, I don't spend as much time on ff.net anymore, yeah. uh, so I don't really cross-post as much. There's some fix that you can't find in both spots. Um but they actually left the comment with that exact prompt, or maybe it was even on Tumblr. I forget, but it was somebody gave it to me, literally saying, "Could you write something where Barry starts a relationship with Len explicitly for the purpose of getting him to fall in love with him, so he can break his heart?" And I remember thinking, "I'm not, I'm not going to write this. That's not really me. <laughs> like that. I don't think I can do that prompt." You know, and I was kind of jazzing myself up to to politely decline and say, "You know, I just don't think I could do that." Um, and I mulled, and that's happened a couple of times. Some of my favorite fix are ones that were prompts from people that I didn't think I could do. And then I kind of mull on it for a while and it just kind of becomes this thing. Uh, so again, um, I was a little annoyed, uh, with the show for not dealing enough with, um, Barry's PTSD and his issues. Like after his dad, uh, I know we're, we're spoiling things for people who've never seen it. So hopefully you have, <laughs> I mean, if you know alert. who you're talking about, um, but when his dad dies, um, it is so unbelievably traumatic, like almost to the point where Barry, you know, kills, actively kills. Like he's in, he's been the cause of deaths, but he had never like actively killed someone before. And he's mm. this close because he's so, just so furiously upset. I mean, to the point where it causes him to do Flashpoint. Mm. Um, and again, I, I, I'll say all day that I wish they had spent more time on Flashpoint before just kind of fixing everything with only a few <laughs> changes. But you don't deal enough with his issues. This is a little bit, because at this point in season three, um, when he starts dating Patty, he is having nightmares. So they, they did a little bit. Like, he's constantly having nightmares about Zoom and his father's death and all these things. And I just wanted them to do a little more with it. Um, and I also wanted Henry to live, because I absolutely love Henry so, 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 so much. Um, and I thought to myself, you know, he doesn't... Uh, so I feel like I need to back up. So in season two, he's still going through so much trauma and shit and can't let go of everything that happened with his mom. Yeah. The betrayal of Eobard, all of that is just so much for him. And then he has 
this is when he meets the speed force for the first time, more or less. And he kind of finally gets to let that go. Like he, he's finally over all that pain of his mom only for it to happen all over again when his Mm -hmm. dad dies. And I was thinking, well, you know, what if that didn't happen? What if the speed force didn't magically, you know, kind of help him get over it. And he's still dealing with all this stuff. Cause you know, he has all this weight of being a superhero. There's all these other things going on. And so it was like, imagine if he was still dealing with that trauma, like a normal person, you know, would like having to actually shoulder all of this. And I just, I didn't set out intending to so very clearly make someone with bipolar depression, uh, which I can very openly admit is something I have struggled with myself. Uh, It's very much like a family thing, the women specifically in my family, something Mm. that we deal with. And it wasn't on purpose. It kind of just went there on its own. It's like to make that story work, I Barry had to be that version of himself that just couldn't handle it all. That was just kind of spiraling. It was the only way that it would make sense that he would feel that way. And he had to be able to justify it to himself. And before I knew it, I was doing therapy for myself for something, something I had gone through and gotten over, but maybe never really got to address, you know, like not through therapy, not talking it out as much as I maybe should have, because it was like a really low point in my life. Um, So it's like I was in a good place writing this, you know, writing it. But it was like I was getting to go back and touch on my own trauma and remember all that and and kind of get over it in a way I never really did. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't on purpose. Like Barry led me there on his own. And before I knew it, I was literally in a way writing my own story. And those can often be the best, right? You know, when, when you inadvertently are kind of a different kind of self-insertion, right? Like I yeah. wasn't, obviously I didn't get someone to fall in love with me to break their heart. It wasn't something like that. But just that being in that place where it's just too much and you, without meaning to, end up lashing out at the people closest to you and you can't seem to stop yourself. It's like it's like there's this voice in the back of your head yelling at you as these words and actions are coming out of you and you you're two separate people and you can't stop it. Mm. And it was, yes, yeah, very therapeutic to write it that way. Um, it, again, it wasn't intentional, but before I knew it, that's what was happening. And I know there are some, some of my um, biggest fans have never read it because the premise seemed too, too close to home, mm. like too, too hard to read, you know, knowing that Barry was, being malicious was just too hard for them to take. And I totally understand that. Um, But I also appreciate the people who have commented on how real it feels because it ended up coming from a place that was very real. Uh, And so it, it, it all because of a prompt I didn't think I could do. And then I ended up doing this very emotional journey that I, again, was something I wish that the show had done more of for Barry, maybe not quite in this way. Um, so I remember when I first started writing it, I was would say, you know, I apologize if he seems at all out of character. This is how, and I'm like, no, he really isn't. He really yeah. isn't out of character. And I don't think I really got it till I was a few chapters in. And I'm like, no, this could totally be Barry in this place. The show just didn't let him explore all that really, really harsh emotional trauma. They did a better job after his dad died of kind of touching on some of that. Um, and also when you get to see how dark and far he can fall, um, when you see the version of him, that Savitar, like he is capable of being his own worst villain. So of course he could be capable of something like this. 
And I'm so ever thankful and feel bad again that I can't remember who's the one that gave me the original prompt. Uh, but forever thankful uh, for that prompt because I, I say timeless is oh, one of my favorite things. Joe Neal. You have yes, it in your yes, you have yes. it in your author's note uh, here. Oh, thank God. I knew I'd have it. Yes, thank you. Um, who's also somebody I, that we follow each other on Tumblr. Oh, I'm like, I know I should know the answer to this. <laughs> but yes, Joe Neal. Oh, my God. Best ever because um, I will say timeless is one of my favorites. Lovesick is my absolute favorite thing I have ever written. I don't know if I can ever do something I love as much just because it ended up being so personal. And um, and now with those gorgeous covers on the uh, adapted original version, it, it, I just love it so much. Yeah, it's the best <laughs> for me. Yeah, I absolutely agree with your now kind of down the road assessment about the out of character in this because I kind of went into it um, – I clicked on. It. I just thought this just sounds intriguing, but I was I was also a little wary. I was like, oh, Barry would never do that. He'd never do that. Yeah. But you're right. Uh, like under under the circumstances, and the circumstances are so heavy and so angsty, and that is, I think in in TV shows, yeah, those heavy topics often get short shrift or kind of mm-hmm. glossed over because they just don't have the time or the capabilities, yeah. or they think it would drag the showdown or they're like grant gustin has cried enough no he, he hasn't he looks great though <laughs> he does it so beautifully he um does. but uh i think you underpinned everything that barry's going through here uh very well so i didn't once i got reading i was like okay yeah like this makes sense he's like in a super dark uh messed up place and uh i would totally i would totally buy that did anything about how like Len handles. So you have obviously Barry in a very dark place and Caitlin and Cisco are there and they're trying to help him through it, but he's, he's really isolated. And so, as you say, he makes this decision to sort of like strike this uh, friends with not friends, just Mm -hmm. kind of benefits relationship. Fuck buddy. I mean, basically (laughs) exactly with Len and Len obviously has been staring at Barry in these red leather pants for long enough. He's like, Mm. yes, please. Um, But obviously this kind of upsets the normal sort of power dynamic between them, at least especially in the first like two or three confrontations where Barry is absolutely determined to kind of be in control and take what he wants from Len. And we're not used to seeing Len in this kind of like vulnerable or quote unquote sort of, I don't know if I unknowing victim like he thinks yes, he's getting he into no it. Yes, he doesn't know. Um, was that kind of fun to like write Len in this very different kind of situation? Oh, very much so. Uh, I have this thing where um, whatever the most popular way a pairing fits together, I tend to like the opposite. Mm. So. Uh, for example, you know, I was a Teen Wolf fan too. I have a few Teen Wolf ones on there too. Uh, not a lot, just because it was a really tough fandom to be popular in or stay in. I, you know, but um, uh, Steric, which is one of the most popular things of literally all time in fandom history, uh, I prefer when Styles is more the take charge one or, you know, on top <laughs> to, mm-hmm. you know, make it, you know, but that's just what I like. So we usually think of Barry as, which is funny, you know, you think of Barry as the, which I never write. Um, very strict power dynamic roles for characters. I almost always write switch characters because it fits my personality and it fits what I prefer to see. Mm -hmm. I like seeing really even relationships, not to say you can't have a good, even equal relationship when two people prefer certain positions, you know, that's a whole, that's a whole personal private thing. Right. Um, But I just, 
have more fun when, you know, they're constantly switching who has that full power and everything. Um, and I especially like putting um, Len as the one, as the vulnerable one because it's not what we expect and what we think. Um, and I know some people were like, well, is it going to strictly be like this the entire fic? No. Do you, have you read me? I, I switch all the time. <laughs> uh, I think it almost is perfectly even to the amount of times, uh, uh, you know, who is in what position and how they're, you know, enjoying their sexual relationship. It's mm. almost a perfect balanced flip between the two of them, which is what was, I feel like that was really important to sort of symbolize that the flip of their personalities and like, it just kind of fit everything. Like mm. the fact that they're both kind of playing out of the box roles too. Um, but no, I just really like doing that because uh, we all have that headcanon that, you know, um, Len is very picky about touch and very picky about mm-hmm. um, exposing himself in any way um, for various reasons, whether you're the ones who have a headcanon um, where he's covered in scars or not. We just know that he's never really shown a lot of skin in, in whether it's uh, Legends or Flash. And so like that intense vulnerability in a sexual situation and him actually being able to give into it because he trusts Barry so implicitly Mm. and shouldn't <laughs> in this case. Um, but I like, I just had a lot of fun playing with that. Um, I know in some cases it kind of hit readers really hard and weird. Cause it's like, you're seeing from Len's perspective and then mid scene, I'll switch to Barry's and you're seeing Barry trying to tell himself, I hate him. He deserves this. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm using him and it's what I'm supposed to be doing. And it's tough. Cause it's like you, you feel that ache of oh, but Len is totally putting everything on the line here because he could never imagine you doing that. And then that's part of the tragedy of it is, um, you know, you never really know what somebody else might be going through. Um, but it was just kind of fun to be able to play, to be able to play with that. Um, and then of course have it blow up in both their faces eventually. Oh man. Yeah. It's absolutely like it. <laughs> That kind of, um, I always, I probably overuse this term, dramatic irony, but where you know more than the character does. And so you're having to watch Len go through all this. And you're right. It's like an implicit trust. Like he doesn't actually know Barry well enough to trust him, but he knows, he he just has this idea of who Barry is for good reason. Um, but he just like kind of assumes that like Barry would, yeah, this is just like not even in the realm of possibility would Barry be having any kind of ill intentions that dark and that um, manipulative. And so, yeah, that is a hard thing to sort of watch play out. Um, yeah, I wanted to read this excerpt. So so Barry's made this decision to sleep with Snart, blow off some steam, as he says, under all this pressure with everything kind of – there's a couple of, I think, metas that – I haven't seen season two and three, but I think there's a couple of metas that die that Barry takes – um, very tough, and obviously Eddie's gone, and so Barry's dealing with sort of losses and failures as he sort of like constantly is not feeling good enough, and it's just like, yeah, he hasn't gotten that kind of glossed over relief that the show gives him. He's just like down in the dark, kind of just dealing with these metas, and we've had a couple incidents where he was violent while trying to arrest or whatever contain a meta and caitlin and cisco have been like pretty worried about their friend like something's not right with barry so then they suggest he blow off seam he gets this idea about snart they start their thing and they've had a couple encounters at this point i think this is like their second or third you know quote unquote date or hookup um and Things, things are going well. Things are very sexy. And then uh, Len's phone rings. And this is absolutely not what Barry anticipated or wanted his 
um, evening to go. So I have um, Len answering the phone here, and I think it's uh, Lisa uh, is on the other end. So I'll just read for a little bit here. He noticed Snart turn back to him, though he was still on the phone. He raised his voice for Barry to hear as he shrugged helplessly and said, I'll meet you in half an hour. On the nose, I swear. Am I ever late? then turned toward the windows again, muffling his words. Half an hour. That wasn't enough time. Barry spent at least eight hours at the precinct most days, countless hours patrolling or dealing with metahumans, not to mention the time he'd lost lately trying to balance family and friends and sanity. It was as if the universe didn't want him to have even a moment to himself. One day, just one day, one single day, enjoyable from start to finish, without anything to upset the delicate tightrope walk between happiness and losing his goddamn Barry. It was Snart's voice that brought Barry back. Not the wetness of the spilled wine on his hand or the pain of the glass embedded in his skin. Oh, shit, shit. Barry stood up straight as he stared at his bleeding palm and the mess all over the counter. I'm so sorry, I, I just... Had he really squeezed the glass so tightly, or had he started to vibrate and sonically shattered it? Here, give me that. Snart was suddenly there beside him, the phone gone, presumably back in his pocket. When had he hung up? Barry couldn't remember hearing anything. Snart pulled him over to the kitchen sink, and Barry followed along in a daze. My mind wandered, and I... He couldn't gather his thoughts. How could he explain... He was so angry at Lisa for calling and stealing Len away from him that he shattered a glass? That sounded crazy. Too intense. Too frightening. Relax, Barry. It's just a glass, Snart said. He turned on the faucet and let cool water run over Barry's palm as he carefully picked out the larger pieces of glass and either set them on the counter or let the barely visible ones run down the drain. It stung, and Barry hissed at the sharp pain he hadn't felt at first. But Snart's touch was gentle, practiced, one hand on his wrist to hold him steady while the other set to vigilant work. There was still a mess of glass left on the island, near the cookies, which meant those would have to be thrown. What had Barry been thinking? His thoughts felt as fractured as the shards in his skin. He needed to salvage this, needed to think. Isn't that interesting? Snart said as he brushed his thumb over Barry's palm. All of the cuts were superficial, Nothing too deep that for a normal person might have needed stitches. So for Barry, the damage was already healing. Barry focused on that, clung to it, and summoned a smile. How do you think I can handle your cold gun so well? Snart nodded, but didn't say anything more. He stood very close to Barry, elegant fingers continuing to smooth along Barry's wrist and palm as the water ran over their connected skin. For the most part, Snart's blue eyes watched the healing cuts in fascination, but his gaze was soft and heated at the same time whenever he looked up. Your pulse is high, he said as he thumbed Barry's wrist. It's always like that. I meant high for you. Snart smiled, but seemed curious. Must have been some violent daydream. No, Barry said too quickly. I mean, sorry, it was just... He trailed again, which he had to stop doing. He had to organize his thoughts, or else Snart would know that he was broken and all of this would be ruined. But he couldn't lie. Barry decided that maybe it was okay to be a little vulnerable to accomplish his goals. Not that he expected Snart to really care, but he couldn't stop the words from leaving him. It's been tough lately. Stressful. You know. I figured you're here with me, 
had to be some sort of crisis in your life. Snart smirked, never ceasing the gentle swirls of his thumbs over Barry's skin. You take on the responsibility of protecting an entire city, Barry. It's understandable. Um, And so they go on a little bit, but I just, I felt like that was the first time when the relationship flips and Barry's kind of back to the Barry we know, but it's like the first time that we see Barry kind of the glimpse that like, okay, he's still in there and Len is really, it's not the sex that has actually helped this time, but it's Len like taking care of Barry a little bit and like showing, showing him some like genuine, you know, compassion and gentleness. And that's what Barry needs. Like he needs someone to like decompress with, not in this like kind of violent way with the sex. I mean, that, that can't hurt, but it's mm-hmm. like, that's sort of like, I feel like where we see Barry, kind of like the Barry that we know. So anyway, that was a long answer, but I just, I love that little part where it's like, if you were skeptical at all of like Barry being able to get back to himself, I feel like, okay, that's where we can see this is where, this is the direction he needs to move. No, that g- good choice for that one. That's actually one of my favorite moments too, just that the bro- broken glass and how, you know, you can just kind of zone out when you're in that kind of state and just lends perfect reaction to it. And uh, the, the one that always sticks out to me that I always remember is, um, I forget exactly when in the story it happens, but it's specifically when Len says, it's okay if you're not okay. And that's yeah. like one of those other things that he needs to hear more. And it's not like his friends aren't trying. It's just that sometimes you it's, you need it from a different source, for one. Um, but then it's just like, Len is somehow saying all the right things and becoming almost like this perfect therapist for what Perry needs, but not just in the connection of, you know, having sex, but in, yeah, those little other moments. Like the other one I love besides the broken glass is when he's massaging Barry's feet. Like I always remember that one too, because it's like, this is actually true for people. If you don't know, like if you have, if you're holding a lot of stress in some part of your body and you get it worked out, like with a massage and feet can be a good one. Sometimes you just start crying. Like, it's just like, yeah, it's like this relief hits you in an emotional spot that you're like, I don't know why, why am I crying? Um, and I thought, especially with Barry, since, you know, speedster, his feet, it's just made so much sense. Like I love, those are some of my favorite moments in the, in the fic is those little, the quiet little moments where they could just kind of connect uh, yeah, that foot massage scene. I remember thinking that, like, oh, why didn't I think of a foot massage? Like, why hasn't this happened in a fake yet? Like, that's amazing. Like, it's perfect for Barry. And uh, it isn't. I'm not. I mean, obviously, somebody correct me if I'm wrong, if they if, if they're listening and they can think of another one. But I cannot think of any other fic that I ever read that had that either. I didn't even I think know. about it that way. And you get Lynn's, like, beautiful hands, like, mm-hmm. so capable. Like, ah, amazing. I love it. Um the villain in this story that we get, like at first it starts you, I think you start to sprinkle in actually right from the very beginning, really the hints that there is an underlying sort of action plot. That's going to like that. This emotional story is going to turn around and eventually figure out that it's, it's basically mirror master. Correct. Yes. It's mirror master. And I should point out too, this was before the show had Mirror Master. So my version of Scudder is very different than how they actually eventually cast him and presented him, just so people aren't like, well, that's not how I went. Well, he didn't exist yet when I wrote the fix. So, I mean, he exists in the comic. So I was using comic book knowledge for for my version of him. Yeah, he's very scary. <laughs> like, he's like, if you really, I, I hadn't, there's a lot of these villains that maybe don't get as much time in the comics, or I'm just not as well read in the comics, but um, I knew of Mirror Master, but I hadn't seen the episode in The Flash, and I hadn't read him 
I haven't read the Flash comics. Um, I was like, this guy's terrifying, it's and it's cool. I feel like you you do, you did this um, in some of your other fics where you you have these little short kind of sections um, that you realize it's not explicitly said right in the first couple of sentences, but then you realize, oh, this is the villain. Like you get these little flashes of the villains, so so that you can see he's already kind of like got his claws into our characters and is has plans um, for them that will cause some trouble later on. But uh, do you remember how you picked Bearer Master and how that was to write this uh, villain? Because he, I feel like he's one of the nastiest villains that I've read in a flash fic. Uh, oh, that, that's awesome to know. Um, I, I, I wanted someone who hadn't been on the show yet. That was very specific. I wanted to be able to write someone who could be like all mine. Um, and I, I assumed the reason they hadn't done him yet is because obviously doing the mirror stuff and some of the powers he's able to do, I'd only ever really seen it done um, in the cartoon versions. So yeah. I, I, I assumed it was going to be tough for them. They, they did pretty good with the actual Scudder in the show. He's not nearly as scary. The concept's always scary, um, but it depends on how people write the, write him, whether or not he can use any reflective surface, what mm-hmm. can he do with that? Like I, I kind of wanted to make him my own version, so I liked that the show hadn't used him yet. And I thought, well, this is, it can be such a terrifying thing. You know, the idea that he could be watching at any time. He could be anywhere. Like it's, yeah. So I, it was mostly because they hadn't used him yet. And he's, I think he was one of the only really big Flash villains they hadn't used yet. So he seemed just like the perfect one. Um, and then, yeah, the, just that idea of how it um, then could tie into the whole concept of Barry having an issue with handling his own negative reflection of himself. Um, and that is something yeah. uh, that mirror master absolutely can do is he can create mirror. He can create mirror copies of people. So it literally could have been an actual Barry eventually when he's, when it's Scudder disguised as Barry. Um, I could have written it where he made a mirror clone. Um, but instead I decided not to, cause I figured everybody would be assuming that's what it was. Yeah. Um, because that's what mirror master is known for being able to do. So it was kind of fun to kind of pull the, rug out from under and have it be different. Um, and especially when I realized the way I had described um, the invisible, invisible flash suit, which is a very, yes. very important plot point yes. um, that they, they basically Cisco, uh, I love Cisco's genius. Um, and it's usually prompted by whatever meta of the week. Right. Mm-hmm. So, it, you know, it starts where he, he's dealing with this meta who can literally use, um, oh, I forget what they're called the Chrome, Chrome something. Yeah, uh, Trump. Trump no. Some these are all real things. Like I, I pull things. You know, it's it's pseudoscience, right? I pull things that actually exist, but then I just kind of make it up. Um, kind of make it work the way it works. Uh, but uh, they, he deals with a meta that can basically think like a chameleon, and which is what they, uh, or they camouflage is what Cisco Camo, wants to call camouflage. Him, but, yeah. yeah, camouflage. But um, but the idea that he could basically make himself invisible, so he makes a suit for Barry off of that concept, just a digital version. But to create that, it, it's made with uh, millions of tiny little mirrors. And I had done that first before I decided which villain I was going to introduce. Ah. And then once I'm like, oh, I'll use Mirror Master. And I don't remember at what point I went, oh, I got to figure out how to get the suit and Mirror Master to work together because it it's mirrors. Like, it's perfect. I don't remember at what point that hit me. Um, but it was just... Uh, kismet like it was perfect serendipity that it worked out that way oh yeah i was gonna say absolutely serendipity because one of my questions was gonna be like i also know that this one you were posting as you were going and obviously you have your notes and, and strategy but i thought it was so like uh not to take away from your brilliant brain but i love that it worked out that way because it's such a, a brilliant callback to when 
Um, yeah, Barry's dealing with Camo at the beginning of the fic, and then to, like the I would probably call it, I guess, the midpoint of the story where um, Barry and Lynn um, have been sleeping together, and they kind of show up playfully to this heist that Lynn's been planning this whole time. But they're kind of in a spot, or if, if I remember that. Barry knows he's going to show up, but he's not really going to like arrest Lynn. He's kind of yeah. looking forward to this, like, oh, you show up in a three piece suit, kind of, or there's something like that. Um, so it's still sort of playful, but it turns dark very quickly. And this, this actually is almost exactly the midpoint um, for the when we get to the books. This, the wrap up of this is where book one right. ends. Yep. So yes, it is meant to be pretty much the halfway point. Yes, and it's it's like the emotional kind of. Um, I know there, there's a big swing where yes, you, finally we get our our real villain revealed. Like there's just been kind of this, this shadow of um, well, did they use reverse flash in the same way that Thanatos is used? I can't remember, but I don't know that Barry's really aware that that Mirror Master is is out there and been planning like he has. And so this is this big reveal during the heist. Um, yeah, Barry's wearing this this mirror suit, and it's just this great horrifying moment where. Len is like staring at Barry and he like looks down at the suit and he's like, Barry. And Barry looks down and it's, and, and then Mary Master takes control of the suit, you know, and um, uh, pushes Barry against a wall and all that stuff. And it's just scary. And that was after Mary Master is also obviously emotionally manipulating the two of them using their relationship. He knows that they've been sleeping together. And so he makes Barry think that Len's been working with scudder and you know it's just so all the stakes are just so so high and then yes at the at the end of that kind of scene they sort of resolve themselves some stuff personally where barry no longer thinks that lynn is actually working with him but he gets rid of the suit and then he leaves i think cisco to track it and pick it up and then um scudder comes out of the mirrors i think and pulls the suit back in i don't know something to the mirrors in the suit, yeah, Ugh. and the, into the mirror, mirror, mirror world. That's yeah. right. He he tucks him to the mirror world, and it's just ah, it's terrible. Well, and he's basically in his underwear and as vulnerable as he possibly can be, getting the shit kicked out of him. And it's just like you could not make him lower at this point. You could not bring him lower than where he is brought. Which is why it's yeah, it's a very it's a very like oh my god, I need to read more kind of moment. That's why it felt right to kind of uh, end book one in that wrap up where it's kind of like you had that climactic moment and then it just seems like the right spot to break it up. It was hard for me to decide how to break it up. So, yeah. Well, speaking of deciding, actually let's dig into that. Um, the adaptation love sick gods. So you've obviously you have this fic that's published. It's finished uh, on AO3. You love it. People love it. What made you decide to do this one? And also can you talk a little bit about the suitability of like why this fic served well? Uh, this one was actually tough. Um, so uh, most of my older books um, are flipped fix. And so if anybody's unfamiliar with the term, it means, you know, you're taking a fic and you're changing enough of that copywritten material to to keep it your own so that it's original so that you can actually publish it officially. Um, and, and, you know, it's famously known that Fifty Shades of Grey was actually fan fiction of Twilight. Um, cause you can absolutely, I mean, if, if you're taking something and you're making an idea that's all your own, then really these characters have just become your muses, your, your mm. jumping off point, your inspiration, but not every fic is, is suitable. Like I said, uh, I love timeless, but I could never flip timeless because it's too ingrained in canon. There's no way I, it wouldn't mean anything to anybody who wasn't reading it from the perspective of someone watching the flash. Right. 
And uh, I, I've done it before, obviously, with with other fix. AUs are the easiest because if it's already like super alternate universe, yeah. you pretty much just got to change their names and you're good. Um, but in this case, this one was tough. The reason I wanted to was because I just love it so much. Like it's my favorite thing. I absolutely love it. And so, and I knew this one was going to be tough because there are still things that are ingrained. Um, the, the concept of Mirror Master, um, which I still kept, but it's like I kind of changed it. Like I had to basically figure out how can I take um, all the things that would be too iconically them. So for example, I mean, it's not like DC can say they own the idea of a speedster, but I still decided I didn't want him to be a speedster. I thought it's all right. There's already going to be hints enough. Like if someone reads this and they know the flash, you're going to go, Oh, this feels like the dynamic between flash and captain cold. Like you'll get it, but it still is so much its own thing that, you know, copyright wouldn't be an issue, which is very important. Like people need to understand, you know, if you ever want to flip a fic, make sure you're very careful and attention to detail to get rid of anything that's too like ingrained. Like, Mm. You know, if you're writing Batman fan fiction and then flip that, you can still have his parents be dead and he's a vigilante. Again, you can't copyright that, but you just have to be careful with what you do. So I decided I didn't want him to be a speedster this time. I wanted to focus on the lightning, which is what gave me the idea of making his codename Zeus. And -hmm. that's where I kind of got the idea to kind of make it a play and do lovesick gods and lovesick titans because they're the city. I changed the city to be Olympus City. And so because of that, when um, superheroes and villains started appearing, they took it upon themselves to name themselves after gods and titans because they just thought it made sense. So it's not, you know, they're not actually meant to be like parallels of the Greek gods. It's just more like a tongue in cheek joke on themselves. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, we have powers and we live in Olympus City. We might as well call ourselves Zeus and and what have you. Um, So I decided I wanted to be lightning. So instead of being a speedster, he basically can become lightning and almost like lightning bolt himself to different places and he can jump almost instantly anywhere he's ever been before. So it was almost like combining peekaboo's powers with Barry's and then having it be lightning at the core of it. Um, So instead of like the vibrating, which we all love to write for Barry, it's, it's, it's focused more on the the sparks of electricity Mm -hmm. and that sort of tingliness and everything. Uh, And then the obvious big one that I I swapped um, for Len is he is also superhuman. He doesn't have a gun. He actually has ice powers I gender flipped Mick who has firepowers. Like I did, like there, there was a bunch of things that I changed. There was characters. I, did I combine some characters into one in this one? Well, yeah. Cause I, I combined Joe and Henry into one. Like there's a, there's yeah. lots of things that I changed the d- dynamics different where it's like, um, it, like Danny is actually, you know, uh, not adopted, but like they like has still has an adopted brother and sister, um, and, and still lost his mom. That was still like, I, basically you have to sit down and you have to take notes on what things have to still exist for the plot to work and what things can I, or should I change? So it looks less and less like the source material. So in some cases it's combining characters into one, um, gender flipping. I, I always change how they look. Uh, so a lot of us like to uh, canonically think of Len's uh, mother as being black or half black so that he mm-hmm. has that background that is, in essence, still a tie to Wentworth's actual heritage, mm-hmm. um, which I always think of too. Uh, so in this case, I'm like, well, I, I, I made it so that he's actually, he's half Korean, yeah. and all, but still um, half black. And, uh, and then Lisa still is still his sister, but is his half sister, which we all think is probably true anyway, because they're like 10 years apart or whatever. Yeah. Um, so there's lots of like little things that I changed, uh, but there were certain things. It's like, okay, certain things have to stay the same. 
like how their relationship is. Like there's still Caitlin and Cisco as characters. Yep. Caitlin still needed to have lost her husband. That still had to be the same. Mm-hmm. Um, the biggest thing that was a challenge is when it's a fic, you're often going in media res. Like you're already, uh, my audience is aware of what has happened in the past. So I don't have to tell you, right. But you can't do that when it's an original story. But the story starts under the concept that these two already know each other and already have a history. So I had to kind of tie that in. So I basically kind of took a a, a Zoom Thawne mix of a character and and just had it be like, you're still coming into this story where Danny has already experienced trauma. He's already dealt with his first big bad. He's dealt with a ton of loss. He, He has to still be in that bad place. And you get to see a few flashbacks of what his relationship was like with Mal. Um, which was that same sort of, yeah, you're also a villain, but you're the fun one. I I, I know you're not going to hurt people. We actually have an okay rapport. And the setup was that uh, he asked him for help defeating the big bad. Cause it's like, you're the only person I can trust who has enough power who can do this. And then Mal never showed up. Yep. And because of that, because Danny was dealing with it alone, not only was that the reason that his mother died in this version of the story rather than when he was a kid. Um, but then Danny killed that villain which is something he had never done before he'd never actually killed before and his his team helped him clean it up the public doesn't know so it's this like extra weight he's carrying around so i had to completely change all that background but it still had to have the same weight it still had to kind of be similar enough Mm. and it had to be enough where as a reader you didn't feel like you were missing something by starting the story at a point we're so we're in essence another book that doesn't exist has already happened because you didn't get to see all that you see flashbacks you understand the things that he's gone through um but yeah that was made it a challenge um there was definitely like things i cut and things i tweaked and um if people don't know if you ever use like a, a song or something and you use lyrics you know you, you can't do that unless you have permission in, a, in an actual published book um so if i ever were to use lyrics then you can only mention the song or, you know, it depends on references that I made and things like that, too, that I would change. Um, but so it was it was quite the undertaking. Obviously, if you look up the, the books, you can see how different Danny and Mal look from Barry and Len. Uh, I often make Barry, uh, when I flip fix and he was the muse, I often make him a redhead more than I realized, actually. Yeah, kind of a nod <laughs> to uh, comics Wally, probably. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That, that was a big part of it. And I mean, I yes, I'm a redhead too, but I, I do really love redheads. My mm-hmm. uh, Sasha Incubus character from the Incubus saga, he's a redhead. And like Little Mermaid red in his case, like it's meant to be bright red, like it's you assume it was dyed. Yeah. Uh, I, I tend to do that a lot because I have a bunch where, where yeah, the Barry character um, is a redhead. Uh, but yeah, I just, I, I loved it so much. And I realized, oh my God, this thing is so long. I, I have to, spl- I can't do this as a single one. I have to split it. Um, and actually I feel bad because I'm going to forget. I also had the great pleasure of having one of my uh, Cold Flash fan readers, who is a very talented editor, helped me edit the book version because I wanted someone who could be able to look at it and be like, okay, this feels too much like the flash. You should change this. Like I need, needed somebody awesome. outside perspective. And I feel bad that I'm not going to remember her name. Cause it's been a long time since we chatted, but just um, like, it was, it was very helpful and, and really great to be able to get all that in, you know, does this work? Does this not work? Yeah. It's amazing. Like you, you've answered a, a ton of my questions kind of all in that, but um, I love the, uh, the dedication uh, at the beginning is to my family of ice and lightning. Mm-hmm. Without you, none of this would be possible. So I thought that was really sweet, kind of a dedication to the fandom. Yep. 
um, yeah, as you, there was just, there, there's a lot I was thinking about, like what, I mean, it's easy to kind of say like, oh, it's this, but it's just, you know, different names, different place, but like the physical undertaking of what that would take, um, as well as sort of that editing process, like you mentioned that, yeah, you have to kind of totally change the, um, how the beginning is kind of set up and, and structure, how you introduce the reader to this world in the first chapter, which I actually thought was awesome. And I and I thought there must be like, like, I think it works better actually, probably, I don't know. I mean, it's different because yeah, coming to lovesick, like, you know, the world already, but I really enjoyed that kind of like alternating POV between past and present of where Danny is now. He's like, I think um, he's chasing camo. And then you flip back to where he's uh, talking to an internal Internal investigation, I think. Internal team, affairs, yeah. Internal affairs, thank you. Then an IA officer, um, and so he's kind of filling you in what happened, and then you kind of, the, I think that second chapter, you get Mal flashing back between when he oh, when they made the deal to meet. I'm pretty yes. sure is what his flashback is about because at that point you can see that there was a point in where they had this sort of flirty rapport. Yes, which so you can also understand Mal has no reason to think that um, Danny would do the things just like we didn't expect that Barry would do those things. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that setup works so well. And I was thinking like, there's just a lot to do. And as far as like, also just kind of clean, like you wrote lovesick is amazing, but you wrote it um, kind of as you went. So there's probably a lot of opportunity to kind of like tighten things up and, oh, yeah, absolutely. and with, with structure and pacing and plotting. Um, do you remember much about like the physical process of like, I, I imagine you just had a, a bunch of documents and a bunch of notes yes. and you just had, like, I cannot imagine the chaos, like, of, like, choosing, okay, now we're going to restructure, redo chapter one. Do you paste in all of Lovesick and then just work from it? Or is there any point where I, you're I like- do. I do. That is how I start. I basically copy paste into a new document the entire fic. Um, and then I'll go through and I'll control F all the names. Because mm -hmm. I'll have, so first I have to decide- what are the names? What do they all look like? Yeah. So like in Mick's case, since I turned, I gender flipped him to a female character, I had to make sure there weren't any leftover he's in there. You know, oh you have to God. check for that type of thing. Yeah. Um, changing any time their hair, eye color, anything might be referenced. You have to be careful of that. Um, location names too. So like the city, cause the city's name is different. Um, I'm pretty sure I went back and forth a lot on how I wanted to introduce that whole concept. I've done that before um, with stories where I'll do like um, sort of some back and forth flashbacks when I need that type of setup. Mm. Uh, I think it uh, something similar kind of happens and I have one public public enemy, <laughs> public enemy undercover lover, which people will actually know that one too. Uh, that's a whole other thing I could talk about, but um, for people who know my public enemy one, the book original book version of that one, I actually combined public enemy and absolute matchmaker and made this weird mesh of the two of them. Oh, crazy. Because I didn't think either of them could withstand their own story. Once you take out all the flash elements, mm -hmm. but combined, I was able to make it work. That was the hardest thing I've ever done. I will never attempt something <laughs> like that again. Uh, but I still love how it turned out, but that, that one was really tough. Uh, in this case, it was like, I, I, yeah, I definitely went back and forth, and I, I think I got found a good pacing. I'm, I'm glad it was effective for you because I think I yeah. found a good way of like being like I'm still like I still want you to. It's very important at the beginning of a book for anything when you're writing, you need to grip your reader right away. So I still wanted to be able to start with Danny doing his thing, being his superhero, and then mm -hmm. you kind of get you learn the world as you go. 
The other thing I had tons of notes on, of course, is I had to world build this entire other world. This isn't particle accelerator explosion creates metahumans. So what is it? Um, And actually, it almost makes me think, I wonder if I had, I can't remember for sure, but I wonder if I had inspiration from uh, My Hero Academia for anybody who's an anime fan. Um, Their world kind of is, it's kind of like mutants suddenly started existing a few generations ago. Um, and it, they appear in like different, uh, like it's different for everybody and it appears around, um, puberty, you know, very, very mutant, like very similar to that. Mm-hmm. Right? I wonder if that, uh, but in this case, the, the idea is that literally everyone in the world has some sort of elemental leaning. So like there are certain elements, you know, like the obvious ones, fire, water, um, and then people might have certain specialties for that, but mostly it's very minimal. So like one example I gave was, you know, somebody who is air leaning might be able to hold their breath for a long time um, underwater or something. Um, Or like it might kind of influence what your career is because you just happen to be really good with these things. Like a a metals one and metal leaning people are usually good with technology. So it's like I kind of was like tying all that in. But for most people, it's very neutral. It's very minor. Um, and then every once in a while, there is an elemental, someone who just happens to have like this increased version of that. Um, and so, and there's not many of them. Um, and most of it, I kind of play it up where, you know, in the background, the rest of the world, you know, that most good ones work for the government and mm-hmm. most bad ones are kind of kiboshed, but really only in super big cities. And this is meant to be sort of a mid, you know, it's not like a New York, it's a little bit smaller. It'd be like Minneapolis, which is, you know, where I live near. Like, it's like, yeah, you, you have villains and you have a hero, but yeah, we'll just kind of leave you alone and, until you become a bigger threat. Yeah. And so it was fun to kind of, I had to work all that out. Like who, who's going to have powers, who doesn't, what is everybody's leanings? What does that mean? How does that affect the world? And then as I'm going, where can I sprinkle in moments where someone's leaning actually has a purpose? Otherwise, why did I even write it? You know, you ha- it has to, yeah. it actually has to have a purpose. Um, and it, it definitely does come up like everybody's leanings or actual abilities is, is very, very important to the story as it goes. Um, but it was a lot of fun to get to play with that. One of the big things with flipping any flash stuff is like, if I'm not making him a speedster, how important are his powers and how does that work? Like I knew he had to be able to get places quickly because that still has plot plot importance. Like he eventually has to bring a pregnant woman to the hospital. So he still had to be able to do that. So that's how I came up with the idea of him sort of lightning jumping. He can use the lightning like he's teleporting basically. Oh yeah. It's yeah. I imagine that's kind of fun. Like where now, I mean, fan fiction gives you so much freedom, but in some ways, uh, if you want to make them recognizable, you're relying on canon, and so that becomes sort of a constraint. So it's this kind of cool middle ground between being bound by canon and being a totally original fic. Um, I thought that was great. Um, so obviously, you've probably got kind of a mixed audience on this. Some are familiar with The Flash, the world of The Flash, and some aren't. You know, to us, we all know that Mal is Captain Cold and Danny, uh, you know, was inspired by Barry. Um was that important to you that um, they were kind of re- remained close to those original characterizations or did anything kind of end up changing that surprised you like that when you think of Danny and Mal, is there any, I don't know, did they kind of become grow out of their Barry and Lenness in a way to you or are they still pretty like closely tied to like. I picture them differently because th- some of the circumstances are different. Um 
like there's enough that's changed where it still feels very separate. And it's weird if I like go back and, and read the fic, I'm like, wait, what, what, what things did I change? What's different? Yeah. Like I'll forget what things might've happened in one versus another sometimes. And it's like, oh yeah, but I cut this from that. And uh, I feel like the heart of them's always still there. Mm. Like they're the way they're, pre- cause I mean, the important thing for me is this meant so much to me. I don't want to change the heart of it. And the heart of it was them. So it's yeah. like, you can't like the personalities that driving force. But I mean, again, it's not CW them. It's my them, you know, yeah. it's the way I wrote them. So it still feels point. very original in mine. And like we were discussing, the CW never really fully brought Barry to this type of point. So he really does become a different character. He, he became a different character in the fic in a way. So that's what I think made it more inspirational for me to want to get that message out there and use him in that way. Um, like, yes, of course, it's still, like we said, it, it's not out of character for Barry, but we didn't see him brought this low before. So he... The fic itself made him someone new, I think. So that made it easier for me to do it. And I feel like that happens with a lot of my fics. I mean, like we discussed, we have the hive mind, right? The hive mind makes these characters so much more fully fleshed and different and unique and something special that we recognize them in that way. But they're already really so different um, than where they came from. Like we have, we make them what's so amazing and fun to read about more than the show ever does, I think. Like we make, better characters out of them always. So I feel like the heart of it, the heart of them is still there. Like if I read it, I, I still know where it's coming from, but it's different enough. Like, uh, you know, changing Mick into a girl. She's still, I mean, she, I didn't change anything about her personality. She is absolutely just bad. At, like she is, she is Mick, but she is a girl. <laughs> like, and like, that's all I did. I like, I don't tweak their language. Oh, the other thing I always have to do though, is I always have to come up with different nicknames for them. Cause it can't oh, be yeah, Scarlet. Right. Sometimes mm-hmm. it can. I I've had Barry Scarlet and still still be Scarlet and something. If you do the hair, that makes sense, right? And then it still works just fine. Um, yeah, but, I love Sparky uh, though, and Sparky and, is, I, and Iceman. I love Iceman. Iceman. Yeah, I thought that was good too. Even though I actually am not a fan of uh, what's the movie? What's Tom Cruise? Oh, movie? Top Gun. Top Gun. I'm not a <laughs> Top Gun fan, and yet I used the Iceman reference. Um, but yeah, uh, no, that was it's fun. Um, the sad thing is, is I, there's this other superhero idea. That I've had forever. Who knows if I'll ever come back to it. Um, but it was going to be another uh, cold flash kind of twi- twist on one. And I was going to call it the Royal Spark. And I had this whole concept around, um, you know, still this sort of lightning based superhero. And his nickname was going to be Sparky. But then I used Sparky for this. So I'm like, well, like, he can't be. So I, I, I have that sorted. I don't know if I'll ever actually finish writing that one. But but yeah, that's half the fun is they they have to still have nicknames for each other or there, there has to be those little moments. And I, I still usually do the age gap too. I think I lessened the age gap in this. A little bit. I think, I think yeah. So. I think mm-hmm. Mal's only like mid thirties or something. And, mm-hmm. and Barry's like a little older or Danny's yep. a little older than Barry would have been at this point in the timeline. Um, so they're a little closer in age. Uh, so then I like, sometimes I'll keep the kid, the fact that he calls him kid. Yeah. Sometimes I take it out. It depends. I think I lessened it somewhat. But yeah, it definitely gives me the ability to tighten things because uh, people will ask me this sometimes too with fix. I don't obsess over the editing of fix. I get it out of me. I still reread it, of course, and try to catch things, but I want it out to the readers as soon as possible. And if I make mistakes or I, I might clean it up later, I don't care. I'm always posting as I go. I find that better. Just get it out, get it out there, get the feedback. Then... 
um, yeah, I'll find a million things I want to fix or change, whether it's pacing or errors or whatever. But I, fan fiction is my vacation. I want, mm. you know, that's for fun. So I, I, I am an editor. I'm, a, I'm an author. I have to live in that obsessive space of getting everything perfect all the time. When I'm writing fic, I want that to be just pure fun. So I don't obsess too much about like those types of things. So if you ever doubt about, um, you know, reading one of my books, if you read the fic version, it will always be different, sometimes hugely, and sometimes just because I, I tighten things up. Yeah, uh, that's so cool. That's kind of inspirational because I always, I do actually have some some whips that are unfinished because my, my biggest paranoia is that I don't finish, which so in some senses, I think it is better for me just personally to to finish before I start posting. But it definitely gives you that little, boost and it's just so fun to post and just see what happens and get some feedback and um, well, often for me honestly sometimes feedback especially if people like try to guess what's going to happen next yeah. they make me go oh cool. i will do that okay. like people will comment thinking oh you're gonna do this i wasn't but i'm gonna now <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> so i mean it's that community is so fun because uh comments can literally shape a story like all the time, uh, there's so many moments where it'll be like, or someone will expect something or, or something will bother them. And then I'll come back and try to address that. If I'm like, oh, I can see why that would bug you. I'll address that then in the next chapter. You know, I'll, I, it's so important for comments for that because you, you can actually help kind of coax the story in a direction just by commenting what you think will happen or what you want to happen or what bugs you or what you like, you know, it, it really makes a difference uh, for my writing process, which is why I'm sad. I actually haven't been doing as much fic work because I I've been publishing so much. I got to leave. Uh, I finally got to leave my day job last April, uh, May. Yay. I, uh, it's been awesome. Um, and so I've been really just totally all in and I'm actually writing two series at the same. Well, I'm alternating between them, but I'm an idiot for, for taking that on. <laughs> and, uh, and, and I can talk more about um, my future projects as we get onto that kind of stuff. But um, I, I'm doing so much with the original stuff that I, I don't have as much time anymore to write fic, which makes me sad. So I, I've been trying to, um, at least at the very least, pop, hop on Tumblr a little bit more lately and answer some prompts and things. Like, feel free to always go to my Tumblr and leave them for me. I might never answer or I might answer in months or a year or whatever. But hit me up with prompts because sometimes I need that, like, kind of decluttering of my brain and, like, a little mm. time away from my original works. And it, it, it's really fun to just answer a prompt, and which might turn into a full fake eventually and might just be something I dabble in. Because you'd be surprised. Sometimes I save um, prompts that I'm given. Um, and that I write like for, um, uh, I did Wumptober the one year and I've, I've done other AU challenges and stuff. I'll come back years later and make a book or a short story out of those ideas. So, I mean, it's always helpful to get those. Wow. That's so cool. Um, but I just, there was a little, uh, bit from, uh, book one here where, I think was new. It, it seemed like a, a scene that we didn't actually get in Lovesick. So I was just going to read real fast from that because it's just like a little character moment uh, with like the rogues, basically, um, or the Titans, we should say yes, in this titans. one. And yeah, you've done some, some switching around. So this is a character called Oz, which we know. Oh yeah. You wouldn't, I think I know what you're going to read from then um, to try to explain it. Uh, yeah, Oz is a gender flip, kind of a gender flipped Shauna. Yes. And who else do I use? I feel like there's somebody else. I mean, there's Lisa, but. Um... Um, this this was a little scene where, um, let's see. 
Oh yeah, so so this is like a flashback. Thanatos and Zeus are like having a confrontation and they just happen to kind of bust in on um the Titans are in the middle of a heist. They're they're somewhere trying to steal something and Zeus and Thanatos bust in and they've kind of de- got to decide like what to do. Um so yes, Oz is our uh, Shauna Bay's uh, Oz is in the process of basically like zapping everyone to safety. Oh yeah, so he's just transported Zeus or Danny. So he's asking Danny if he's okay. Are you okay? Oz asks, helping Zeus lean against the brick of the building. Too beaten to reply, Zeus eventually huffed out a feeble, thanks. Mal didn't know what to do in such an odd mixed company. Banter seemed in poor taste after seeing that woman's body. If this job was just running after you. Zeus panted and shook his head with a bitter laugh. He glanced dismissively at their bags of loot. But he's out there too, hurting people, killing people. Someone needs to pick up the pieces when innocents get caught in the middle. I don't even know who that woman was. He choked out another humorless laugh, not caring that all four elemental titans surrounded him. Sorry if I don't feel like playing tonight, Iceman. Guess you get a free shot if you want it. Can't take on all of you. Stepping forward to take Oz's place in front of Zeus, Mal noted that the man didn't even flinch. Where'd be the fun in that, Sparky? He said and gestured that Zeus was free to go. Dom and Lucy gave no complaints. They wouldn't. But Oz stood tense, conflicted by what had happened. Zeus picked up on it when he pushed from the wall and started to trunge out of the alley. I understand them, he said to Oz. I know why they do this, but why do you? You were a medical student once, Percy. Oz still wore his mask, but Mal could tell his eyes widened. How do you know that? Zeus wore his mask, too. Mal didn't know the man's face yet, but he imagined he smiled. I'm good at solving puzzles. Your father died with mountains of debt you couldn't pay off. You were desperate. I get that. But these heists with Cho have made you enough to start over. We could use a few more good guys in this city. Any other night, Mal would have spoken up to counter that. But tonight, he couldn't find the words. Thanks for the assist. Zeus nodded at Oz, then at each of the others, and finally landed his attention on Mal, not knowing that Oz had acted alone. <laughs> Almost forgot we were enemies for a minute. Taking in a deep breath, Zeus summoned enough strength to lightning jump away and was gone in a shimmer of yellow. Oz took his mask off right there in the alley and never put it on again. So I thought that was a great, like we get Shauna in lovesick, but yes. that was just another, like, I feel like that was a great opportunity that you took to just give a little character moment to a minor character. And it was just, uh, it was great. I loved that. Uh, I, I, I had almost forgotten about that too. Yeah. Cause I, I feel like it's, I forget his full name. It's like, Oz is like part of his last name and that's that nickname like he called him Percy because that's his actual name and then I can yes. give, give the nod I forgot too that uh, um, Mick as a gender flip it's Dominique so it can be Dom obviously as a nod to Dominique yes. so, um, so yeah D- Dom would have been the Mick character but a, but a female and then Lucy being Lisa um, I had forgotten about that one I, I remember it was because in the fic when I bring Shauna in you know she she's kind of not really officially a rogue Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, Oslen from, um, from Ferris Air, right. And mm-hmm. ends up getting kind of called in and we know her backstory, but since 
Oz wouldn't have that same backstory. I wanted to kind of play it up like, if this is someone who was a Titan, but then maybe isn't anymore, what would call, why did he choose to leave? And it was like that encounter where what you missed at the beginning of that would have been like the fight that spills over. There's, yeah, this, this woman that Thanatos basically kills, you know, just because he's, I, I made him as, he's definitely more Zoom like, I feel, um, mm. than, than Thawne, but kind of a mix of the two of them just to sort of be this character. You know, if, if Barry actually had killed Zoom after Zoom killed his dad, it's kind yeah. of meant to be that. Um, and uh, I, yeah, I just love that where it's like, there's something so inspiring about this hero that just that encounter is like, Oz just stops and he doesn't, never, he doesn't really kind of join the hero ranks. Eventually they all kind of do, but uh, it's, yeah, it was a lot of fun to be able to add in some of those things where it's like, I get to do something different with these characters because they're not the same. They're, they're unique, different people. It was fun to get to kind of play with that. Yeah, because, you know, it, it's a very, it would be a very Barry thing to do. Like, it's just, it reminds you kind of of Barry, you know, in the prison visiting start after he's been arrested um, in one of those episodes saying, I, you know, I know there's good in you. And that's that sort of sentiment where Barry always has hope that people can turn it around and get second chances and stuff. Um, and so even though in the present day we have this, like, just dark, twisted up, kind of defeated Danny and Barry that we get to see that like they they do inspire these rogues or these titans and to be better. And that's the special part about Barry is that he's so fucking good. Mm-hmm. Like he's just down to his little core. You're like, oh my God. He's just he's the he's such a sentimental role, but he's so strong and um vulnerable. I think that was the biggest thing for me, like being a fan of Smallville, I loved Clark. Um, but, uh, you know, if I'm going to be honest about the series, like Tom Welling's great, but he was a very inexperienced actor. And Grant is just a fucking amazing. God, no. He's so good. He's way too good for the show. To he is way too honest. good for the show. Like, but, you know, obviously in season one and two, you know, it's like he's he's, he's strong and the writing. Yeah. The writing was so up. strong. He did. And he, everybody fit into their roles so well yeah just perfect and a, a lot of them too too good for yeah. what they were doing i think but uh but yeah. yeah i think i think that really made the flash uh the season that i've seen very special is like the entire fucking cast is is incredible and like what little we get of captain cold like nobody could have pulled off that part like wentworth like the, oh, what no, he's is doing no. with his voice and like everything is just like it should it should be silly like it shouldn't work like the the lines that he has to deliver and the way and like it's so over the top but it's like perfect somehow and i was uh, as you said dominic purcell playing heat wave is like those two know each other so well so i think their well, chemistry is so good that they're just <laughs> so like automatic kind of elevate each other in their scenes together and it's just like Ah, Chef's Kiss is amazing. Well, and what's funny, if I'm remembering correctly, wasn't Wentworth originally up for Lex for Smallville? You I think know- one of the ones that he was a maybe, like that they, they looked at him. I feel like I remember hearing that. It's It's been a long time, obviously. That's so funny because I, I was actually always wondering that because I read, I just happened to read, there's a, it's really good actually. There's an RPF fic where they I know it exactly up. which one you're talking you? about. The one where um, Michael is a, a, like a barista and yes. Tom comes in and because he was up for the role and then he, yes. and he like right. Superman saved him yes. basically from getting, you know, beaten up. Oh my God. I have totally read that. I have not read Clex type stuff in a long time or RPF in a really long time. Yeah. Um, but I was so into it because of one of my good friends who had watched more of small, more of small than I did. Mm-hmm. I, I haven't seen all of it. 
But um, I think that was one of the reasons that uh, Cold Flash was so appealing because it was it was that dynamic again. Yeah. You know, it's like you want them to be friends. You don't want them to be enemies. You want this to work out. Uh, but I've totally read that fic. I know which one you're talking about. That's so funny. It's an amazing fit. Like a lot of people like put down RPF and stuff. And it's like, dude, anything can be good with in the right hands. And and yeah. that puts, I'll, I'll put that in the show notes, actually, just since we've mentioned it, because it's I saw my bookmarks list somewhere. <laughs> it's so fucking good. But yeah, I remember in that fic in particular there. Uh, yeah, Michael never ended up playing Lex and they have Wentworth. And they have Wentworth as the one who's playing him. There probably is some real life truth to that then because I feel like people, especially with RPF, almost get obsessive, more obsessive with like real life events. It's like the ultimate canon. Well, yeah. I mean, they kind of have to, I suppose, to be able to write that um, because they have to know real life details to make it work. Not that I would know the difference since I don't usually know what the details are. But yeah, that is a good one. Uh, Just just since we brought it up, the other one, I... Sure, I, I might have it in my bookmarks on AO3. I can look for it or share the link with you. But one of my other favorites is this one where it's like this cheesy thing where it's like um, Clark is more of like a cheesy alien that comes to Earth to conquer it and mistakenly thinks that um, Lex is already like the president or maybe he is the president. And basically, like, it's just like it, it's this ridiculous, like, goofy thing where he basically has no, like, Clark has like no filter and is like gives him a blowjob on live TV. And because he feels like, oh no, he he's supposed to come to Earth to take it over, but he falls in love with Lex oh just by God. seeing him and decides instead, I'm going to sleep with you. <laughs> I don't I, know why I, yeah, I haven't read that one. If you could find that, definitely send it my way because I'm like, oh, I've read so much Clex, but I don't think I've read oh, it. So it's one of my favorites because it's just absurd but yes. still like really fun and i'm pretty sure it, it came up at one point a couple years ago and i feel like i went and was able to find it on ao3 and i remember being devastated by how little comments and kudos it had because i'm like this was one of my favorites why doesn't it have more um so I, I think i bookmarked it or if i didn't i have it somewhere i will look for it totally uh yeah we'll try and put that in the show notes for you guys um yeah that's just the fun of comics canon like this elevated crazy oh, reality where like any anything can go like R- Riff Kitty, one of my other interviewees she said that she got great advice one time um a fellow author had said like it's fan fiction just blow the budget like do whatever the fuck you want like blow you- the budget i Isn't like that, that term for it that's really great yeah i like that well, just a little bit. Well, you've already talked about your original writing, so let's just talk about that a little bit, and then we'll go into our, our rapid fire questions. So, so on your original writing, how um, you know you're writing fan fiction, you knew that you wanted to go professional. Um, can you tell us just a little bit about like how you got into the industry, or you know, if it, is it tough to break into and find the resources you need? Nobody, nobody ever wants to hear this, but it is tough and it's very much the, um, you just have to keep trying. And I know every, you always hear that, but it's the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, in my case, I, I mentioned Big World Network. Uh, it was this indie publisher doing things serialized. And then after something was serialized online, then we would bind them together and create them as books. Um, and since I was part of that company's start, I was also the managing editor. So by working with them, that was when I first started getting my books published. So um, I did like a tester one, which is a little novella. You can't get it right now because I I've, I need to repost it. Since I left the publisher, I need to repost it as um um, as a self-published work and I have a new cover for it and I've just never gotten around to it, um, but called The Collector. And then it was Incubus. It was the Incubus saga was what I serialized and and did. Um, so all of those that I did with Big World Network, I have since republished second editions um, under myself because I w- w- left them. But 
that helped me sort of start to build up a fan base and start to do things. But I was always working my day job. So it was hard for me to really take off. Um, and I knew I was, my husband and I kind of set up this plan for how we were going, like he needed to be able to be making enough money at his job that it wouldn't matter if I quit mine and wasn't making a lot as an author. And so we had this like three year plan basically that finally came to fruition where I could actually leave my job. Um, and knowing that was going to happen, I I wanted to start branching out more. I wanted to do more than just self-publishing. I wanted to, you know, do as much as I possibly could. You know, that's when I was created my website. That's when I got like my uh, Facebook page up and everything. Um, And I started um, by sending stuff to Dream Spinner. Um, There's controversy around Dream Spinner. If anybody looks them up, there were some issues um, that they dealt with, with, um, you know, financial issues that they had gone through a few years ago. So some people might hear negative things about Dream Spinner. I've had a fantastic time with them and really love working with them. So I can only say positive stuff. Um, but just as a caveat to that, if people look them up, uh, a lot of my stuff is through Dream Spinner. Then they are strictly like LGBTQ publisher, pretty much. They have a few different imprints. So they have um, like a fa- kind of like more fantasy section. They're more mainstream. Um, they had like pocket sized ones for a while as well. And I have tons of stuff through them. Um, but it was like, it, I had tried probably to a million different types of publishers, you know, like bigger publishers. No, find your niche, find your audience. If you're a slash writer, find one of those publishers, mm-hmm. Dream Spinners one. Um, I, I was trying to branch out too. So I also um, have a couple things published through JMS books. Um, that's another one that specializes in LGBTQ stuff. Uh, there's tons more. Um, Harlequin Romance has an imprint too. I haven't sent anything to them. And Stormy, is it just Stormy Publications? I think it's Stormy Publications. I haven't used them. Um, yet because they're very strict about it being um, a power dynamic, like BDSM thing. And I like my switch couples. I don't tend to do that because I'd sent them some uh, public enemy actually. And they were like, "Uh, it's too switch for us. Sorry. We, we, we need it to be a strict, like that's just what they, that's what they're known for. So that's what they do. And it's like, okay, so I, I might send them something then that's more along those lines at some point, but it's like, find the publisher that fits the type of thing that you write, research, 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 send it in. Anytime they want money from you, run away. Mm. Don't do vanity publishers. All the money should, uh, Neil Gaiman had a great quote about this too. All the money should be funneling to the author. There should never be a point where you are paying money um, unless you're self-publishing and then obviously you're foot in the bill for a lot of other things. Um, Yep. But basically, it's been snowballing since that. Since then, um, like I said, I was finally able to quit. So I just, I, I, I just constantly have something in the pipeline for Dream Spinner. Um, sometimes I'll still do things with JMS if it's not something that Dream Spinner likes, because you know they don't, they, they have their certain rules and things they prefer to. And then I do tons of self-publishing. It's not that hard if people are afraid of it. You, it's so easy now. Like I know Amazon's like the evilest of all companies, but yeah, well, they make it easy to self-publish anyway. Like you can easily create um, like ebook. I, I create a lot of my own covers, but you can create real easy ebook covers and things through uh, Kindle publishing and stuff. It's, it, and I make so much more money on ebooks anyway than paperbacks. Like you don't have to publish paperbacks. Um, but if people check out my stuff, any of my short stories are, um, well, there was one I did through JMS, but most of my short stories are self-published because I just do ebooks for them. Um, and it's, it's just super easy. Like there, there's so many resources out there. I have some on my website if people ever want to, Oh, and great. people can like I have uh, in my blog I have like tips and various things um, and I'm going to be doing more on I'm finally doing TikTok and I'm going to be doing some <laughs> advice stuff on TikTok uh, coming up in the next few weeks so and if people it, I always tell people if they want to 
poke me, bug me, go to my website, leave a comment, whatever, um, in any way and want to ask about all this stuff and how, how I flip fix, how I, um, went about this process and what more details or advice. I am always happy to talk about that stuff. Oh, that's awesome. I'll probably try and find a couple of your, um, your Tumblr, like FAQs or, or whatever you're referring to there and, and link them so that people can find some advice and if they're looking for that. So, um, okay. I have 10 questions, silly kind of questions for you. Okay. If that's cool, I call them rapid fire. You can answer them quickly or you can go on a whole tangent. <laughs> I, I think I wrote these last night at like one in the morning. So we'll just see. Uh, we'll see how these sound and uh, it should be fun. Right. Um, okay. Question one. What would be your elemental leaning and what powers do you think you would develop upon your awakening in the world of lovesick gods? Fire. I am fire all the way, always and forever. Uh, the red hair obviously makes that pretty obvious, but yeah, I'm fire. I'm also a Leo. So sun sign, all that. So 100% fire. That's all. Would you be a hero or a titan? Oh, see, I always love the idea of flirting with being the villain. Like a, a lot of my cosplays tend to more so be villains like Poison Ivy and Captain Cold. Hmm. Um, but uh, I know like I have a very nagging conscience and I'd probably be a hero. <laughs> Do you have any idea what your elemental name would be? Uh, oh, I, ha- I had some. Go- I- I've had some before. And I'm not gonna be able to remember any of them now. Um, I always <laughs> like using my crimson name, actually, uh, since it kind of fall, falls in there. Uh, I think I actually said the crimson spark once. That's the one I've used before, the That's crimson cool. spark, which is where I also get, get the spark name from. But. <laughs> I love that. Um, okay, so you uh, you have two invitations that you can accept for your weekend activity. Are you going to a backyard barbecue and some sort of sports ball watching at Mick Rory's house? Or are you going to uh, wine and movie night at Caitlin Snow's apartment? I love both of those options equally. Knowing me, I would probably rather go and do the barbecue with Mick, you know, like yard games, have a beer, kick yes. back with the guys. I tend to, to like to hang out with the guys since I do relate to guys more. So it's, so I, I'd choose Mick. I always wonder, like, I like to picture the the rogues and like um, – like they have their safe houses, but I like to picture their actual house as like a like a suburban mid-century modern and like Mick and Lynn and Lisa share a backyard and they're on a cul-de-sac or something. Oh, oh that'd be so cute. Okay, I love that. <laughs> that'd be idea. cute. That's great. That'd be amazing. Oh my gosh. Um, okay, let's see. Question four. You're on the Wave Rider with Captain Sarah Lance and the legends. It's time for vacation. Where and when are you going? And what three legends are on your away team? Ooh, uh, well, uh, Sarah. I, I, I would keep Sarah because I absolutely She's love Sarah. She's a badass. Uh, I do have a soft spot for Gary um, and Nate. I love everybody. Uh, I love them all. Le- legends is unbelievable at introducing brand new characters. And I'm like, ugh, not nah, get. Oh, my God, they're my favorite. Like, every time... <laughs> Like every time they introduce a new character, they somehow manage to make you love them. Like all the current characters are also fantastic. Uh, oh, Constantine. I would want John. All right. So Sarah and John, Sarah and John. I know I, I, I'm going to not include Len in this because he's, he's, he didn't get to be a legend for as long. Cause yeah. I, I would obviously choose. Actually, I take it back. I'm going to say Len because I wanted to see Len and Constantine interact. So oh Len and John and Sarah. 
Um, I would want to go to the future because I feel like they don't go there enough. Mm-hmm. So I would love to go like future central city far enough in the future where I could visit the flash museum. Oh, wonderful. And see the, uh, oh, and no, I guess in mind, I was thinking of the hockey trophy. That's not going to be at the flash museum. <laughs> I mean, maybe it would be in like the section dedicated to Captain Cold. <laughs> and here were some things find in his last safe house. Yeah. <laughs> that would be amazing. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah, I yeah, legends. I just have kind of dived in there just to get like the Len and Heatwave stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's such a crazy It gets better. It's and like Doctor better Who. And yeah. Which is yeah. the point. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um I was like kind of skeptical about Rip. I was like, I don't know if I like Rip. Like he's he, he's he's I okay. He's meant to be a little bit, yeah, of kind of a dick. Uh so how yeah. far are you in Legends out of curiosity? I actually it's terrible because I kind of uh picked and chose because so, I wanted to get the um kind of arc with how Len kind of goes through and then in, ends up at the Oculus. So I think oh, I've sure. like I I watched like three or four episodes at the beginning and like three or four episodes at the end or something, but I kind of okay. missed the whole like make his Kronos arc. But basically oh, sort sure. of season yeah, yeah. one ish is okay. all I've seen. I'm telling you, like if you it's definitely worth just I'm, – I'm completely caught up. I'm still watching Legends even though I'm no longer watching The Flash because Legends yeah. is so freaking good. And they'll lose characters and new characters come in. And like I said, every time a new character joins, I love I love every single one of them. They have never brought on a character I didn't like. And it, oh, that so cool. is so hard to do. And somehow they manage to do it. And it's always fun and it's always ridiculous. And yes, obviously I wish there was more Len. I mean there is because he comes back as – Leo. Uh, Doom Len, and then he comes oh, yeah. back as Leo. Doom Len first, and then, yes, the the Legion of Doom uh, is first, <laughs> but yes. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, and I, yeah, just kind of elaborating on that, I um, it seemed to be really cool that they expanded on uh, Mick Rory so much. Like, I love Mick, and I just thought, oh, you know. Me, you want to keep watching. Uh, he, 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 I actually, love This Dominic. current season, he's not on for the first time, sad. which has been a little sad. Yeah. But he had otherwise been on, and oh my gosh, his character arc is some of the best stuff. Like, it just gets more, I just love him so, I love him more and more and more and more and more. Yeah, I feel like they they really took the great opportunity, because I remember seeing some interviews with um, Dominic and Wentworth talking about, like, do you think your characters are uh, villains or straight up villains? And I think initially both of them had said, oh, Heatwave's just a villain. But I was like, Dominic has so much personality and charisma. It's like, you can't just keep him as a villain. Like, yeah, he's, no, he he's wonderful. He best, best arc. Legends uh, does some amazing things with him. And just to mention, too, they they recently cast and introduced one of my favorite comic book characters, Booster Gold. <gasps> and their cast, yes, and their casting choice uh, is so perfect because it's like uh, they they, uh, they did a, a race swap again. I don't want to say who it is. I want to make you look him up. Uh, they, and, yeah. and it's like, okay, so it's not going to be our blonde-haired, blue-eyed Booster. Mm-hmm. Does not matter at all. As soon as I saw who they cast, I was like, he's perfect. He's perfect. <gasps> Should I look like, it I up like, now or, or <laughs> you'll, you'll, later? You'll, I, the, the sad thing is I always forget his name, but you will recognize this actor. And I just thought, oh my God, he would make such a great booster. And there's been one episode with him and yeah, I'm like, yep, you're perfect for booster. Uh, you, I feel like you will, should know his face. But he is one of those people I don't know his name. Oh. <laughs> He's so perfect for booster. I was very oh excited. God. Donald spies on from Scrubs. Yep. Oh my god, he's so perfect. Yeah. I, I actually had it spoiled for me because I saw like a post on Tumblr before the episode aired. Um, and I was like, 
wait, seriously? And then I looked it up and it's like, we would have known he was playing Booster even um, if I hadn't had it spoiled because he, the outfit he wears, like the colors, we're like, oh my God, is he being Booster? Like, you know, he's, it's great. He's fantastic. He was only in one episode so far because they've been on break, but oh my God. Yeah, so Dude, good. I love Booster. My sister is more into the comic books than I am. And so she's reading um, a blue and gold series, which is a current oh, series blue and right gold now. Is so good. She said it's so good. And I was like, yeah. ugh. Uh, that's amazing. And I love Booster. Yeah. Smallville actually did one episode with Booster. They and did. I remember the Smallville Booster. Yes. Yeah. I remember. Uh, I can't remember if I've seen the whole episode or just clips, but I remember thinking the actor was great. But of course, like Smallville writing, it's just like, what? yeah, what oh, no, he doing? was good. I remember liking him. And I some of my favorite episodes of uh, the Justice League cartoon are Booster episodes. Yeah. <laughs> He's so wonderful. Yeah, he really is like, um, he reminded, did you ever see, um, uh, oh my gosh, Mystery Men? Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. He's like basically the uh, Captain Amazing kind of personality. Yes, that's perfect. That's perfect. Oh, my gosh. Okay, let's see. Question five. You are suddenly exposed to Rainbow Raiders' lust beam. Thankfully, Barry Allen rushes you to Star Labs, but it turns out due to hand-waving plot devices, you must satisfy your urges immediately. Who do you drag into the pipeline to bang it out? I'm so sorry about this question. Barry (laughs) I have to apologize. <laughs> this is 1.30, Sarah. Uh, Barry Allen, Leonard Snart, or Leo Snart, who is also there due to hand-waving plot reasons. Uh, I could not do that to Leo because Leo is <laughs> Leo is canonically just gay, so I would feel you know feel like that's inappropriate. <laughs> that's true. Uh, whereas whereas Len is uh, pansexual, so I feel like it works. But um, honestly, Barry, not only for the vibrating, even though obviously everybody Indeed. you know jokes about that's like the best joke ever. <laughs> Uh, Barry, because, um, I feel like he'd be more fun to, uh, make a mess of, uh, you know, reduced to a quivering mess. I feel like that would the, be more I feel like it. the hair is a big part of Grant Custon's appeal. Oh, that's true. That's true too. I do love the hair. Oh my gosh. Goodness. Good choice there. Um, oh, this is, you might have to pull up your AO3 bookmarks list, um, okay. but can you, can you just give us, um, either just a couple or a few, um, must read cold flash recommendations? I mean, it's, it, it goes without saying to say uh, anything that Redhead has done. Um, I have trouble finding... My, my problem is... Ti- I'm so bad with titles. I'm like, I know the thing. T- tumbling Together. That's it. Tumbling Together. Tumbling Together is my absolute uh, favorite, which is a Redhead one. Um, my absolute favorite thing about it is there's this... Barry gets drunk and uh, starts... Is that, the, is that the one where they're neighbors? They're neighbors, yeah. Oh my God, I just started that one. Oh, it's so good. I'm like, oh, well, then, I, then I almost don't want to say it. If you haven't read it, <laughs> something happens at... Is it supposed to be Iris's bachelor party? I'm sure it is. Uh, and Barry's there and he they are able to get him drunk. And uh, it's the best scene of any Cold Flash for me ever. It's oh, fuck yeah. I absolutely love it. Amazing. Uh, so that one for sure. Uh, I feel like this is unfair because... I'm technically a co-author on it now, but I wasn't originally. Uh, In the Wrong Kind of Light is one of my absolute favorites. So this was one where um, just one chapter was up. And it's uh, it's one where Len, instead of being in the, uh, you know, the Oculus happened, but it actually just sent him to an alternate timeline where we're dealing with a very evil and dark kind of version of Barry who goes by Bart. Mm. Um, and in his world, he was married to Len, but Len died, uh, who to him is Leo. This was before I'm the other Leo existed and his obsession with Len. Um, and it was just kind of that and Len was still stuck here. And this fic, man, it gripped me so much. Um, and I commented and I, I, I became friends, uh, 
real life friends as well. Actually, we have met multiple times in person uh, with the Wonderful. author. Uh, it's uh, she's sugary bowl now for for tagged on this one. Um, and um, because we started up this conversation, we ended up continuing the fic together. So we would write chapters together, like we need to take sections and then just kind of tweak it so that our our uh, our our like I kind of took more so on her formatting and her style because that's what I had read and really loved. Um, but it's amazing. Um, it she she eventually she wrote a um like a, a first part that's like a backstory where you get to see how Leo and Bart met. Um, and then we did a kind of see, do, did we do it's, it's separate, isn't it? I feel like there's a separate fic for it. That's then the separate um, one, but I, I, I say it because I don't think it gets enough love and I get it. It's cause it's very, very AU, AU and everything, but um, it's all because that first chapter affected me so much. I couldn't stop thinking about it. And the fact that I got to be part of where the story progresses, it is tragic. And I have had lots of people be very upset with some things that happen, but I did fix it. <laughs> but like we fixed it to get like, we, we gave Len a happy ending, but it's okay. not necessarily the ending you would expect. Um, and then I uh, also had written like a little follow-up thing that I think might only be on my Tumblr. I don't remember if I posted it, but um, I, th- that one for, for sure too. Um, because all the love to Sugary Bowl. Uh, I'm trying to think of other ones that were like, oh, and oh, oh, her fix are gone. Um, unfortunately, some of the other ones I would say uh, had some issues with commenters and stuff and took all of her fix oh, down. Damn, that sucks. So the other ones that I would tell you about are no longer there. Um, mm, yep. Lis- anything by Lissel Velvet, who I haven't talked to in a very long time and I don't think is active anymore, also is fantastic. Lissel um, Velvet, okay. Uh, we have some uh, collabs too. So if okay. you like scan through my stuff, you'd be able to Perfect. find um th- those were like those were the the people and the ones that like really grabbed me early on um and i've gotten worse and worse and worse about reading more um and then of course red harlequin too of course anything that by you know like there's there's just some lots of really good ones but um unfortunately the ones that come to mind are the ones that got removed um but yeah those are those would be the ones that i would tell people to kind of start with yes no uh actually i think um but did, did Redler Harlequin say something on that? She just said, "Oh, hi, Krim. <laughs> and then um, we'll we'll do we'll do actually her. She just submitted a question. We'll do that as one of our ten. Um, if you ever wrote, actually, you have. Um, if you ever wrote a soulmate system, what ideas would you like to see worked into it? Oh yeah, oh yeah, I did. I did do that one where it was. Uh, it, it was very much the the concept was inspired by redheads. Um, uh, Jag, uh, and all two jagged snowflake. Yeah. Um, so it was the idea of the symbol, the matching symbols. Mm. Um, and the way I had it was um, like, they actually had to, I think, touch each other's symbols though, was the way I did it. Um, I forget. Somebody actually like gave me a prompt for that one. If I actually were to like do this, this was a fairly short one. If I was to do like a bigger, like in-depth longer one, I don't know. What's my favorite of those tropes. Like sometimes I like the, um, first word said to them written on the arm like that one can be fun that's cute or uh like when you see the clock and the clock is counting down to when you'll meet oh yeah that's always cool so those are some fun ones too um it's very rare for me to to to, that that's not one of those tropes that tends to grab me yeah quite as much so it's hard for me to think of other ones but but i those are the ones that i kind of like yeah. Well, hopefully if I uh, talk to Redhead, I'll get to talk about um, All Two Jagged Snowflakes. That was huge, oh, huge, yeah, that big. Very, yeah. very huge. Well, in, in all all senses of the word. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, the that's concept. the other one. 
the one that I don't want to forget, I forget the name because it's a weird name, but it's another redhead one. My, I, I, yes, Tumbling Together is flawless and amazing and hilarious, but my actual favorite um, is one she did where um, Len the gets de-aged. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, that's the other one. I just fell in love. The, there, the sexual tension built in that yes. one before things actually happen between the two of them is just, and I, and um, being older myself, it's nice. um, I say this, I'm 37. We're not that far apart in age, but I mean, but being our age, we remember the nineties and what that time was like, you know, dealing with um, AIDS scare and all that stuff. And like so many of the things that were going on and she, she hits on a lot of that mentality that Len for his age during that time period would have gone through it. So good. It's so good. Uh, So that's also another one that that hit me. Uh, But then I wanted to mention too, um, Collabs are always great. Um, there, there's several. There was one in particular I was part of. We all posted our our separately, but there should still you should still be able to see the collab group and find them all. But we numbered them so like it's it's mine where it says two fandom friends, but it's part of this whole group where bunch of different cold flash authors we all wrote a different chapter but we but each one continues the story oh cool uh and then i wrote the epilogue i think too um which is unfair because i tend to get the most comments then because since mine's the end mm-hmm. i get all people will not comment on everybody else's and then they'll comment on the epilogue and i'm like oh everybody else doesn't get to see this though yeah. um but uh so please comment on all of the chapters if you really like this um uh, but it's a. uh, uh what do we call it cold flash ship it or they they ship themselves or whatever we whatever we called it um but basically it's like they end up becoming there is a fandom in universe for captain cold and the flash because they're real people and you know people would do that but of course none of them know what barry looks like so the fandom decided that his real name is Ryder, and which is hilarious like or no no i think len actually came up with that for his like people will give him different names yeah john smith or whatever because nobody knows his real identity and the two of them get caught up in the fandom world and write fix and Barry does fan art and all these things. And then eventually find out who each other is after they form this fandom friendship. Oh my God. Like it's, it was so much fun. Like we all, and then we all like, uh, we all then like helped edit through it all. And we each posted it and I forget what even prompted us to do it. The other one that I, we never posted it, but you can still find it on Tumblr. It might be tough to track it down. Um, was a I think it's I think we just called it my father the supervillain and it's one with um with a Michael Snart one and we would we we this one like organically grew we started tagging each other and it just kept going and going and going and we like we didn't ever really wrap it up like you don't actually let Len Len and Barry barely get together but it was just like I'm pretty sure that one is only on Tumblr but it's uh I always meant to go back and edit it. I asked everybody and I just never did it. But oh, that sounds but yes, fun. there's so many. I could talk forever about some of the classic heyday cold flash, you know, when Len still existed <laughs> and we were really, really in, in the trenches. Oh man. Um, what, uh, what are you reading at the moment? It can be a published fiction or fanfic. Uh, so actually, uh, since I am an editor um, and I, I lo- I especially love getting to edit for one of my good author friends. Um, so KL hires, uh, who was also a cold, cold flash, uh, person. Um, uh, so yes, absolutely. Look up KL hires. Uh, the big one that I absolutely love is, um, uh, sucker for love mysteries. It's this very long series book five just came out. I always forget because I'm ahead. Cause I have the pleasure of getting to, um, help read through and edit things, um, before she actually submits it to the publisher. And so I'm always like deep in the trenches. So I'm currently reading, 
uh, what will be book eight. So I'm way ahead. Like I get the pleasure of being ahead of everybody else. Um, but very much was um, Cold Flash inspired as well. So if people like that dynamic, the, the, I, I, the, it's different for the dynamic though, because like the way the Len character kind of is, is not like Len at all, but it's yeah. very, very AU. But um, if you're a fan of tentacles, um, I would highly recommend the series. It's fantastic. I, I love everything about it. And it's fun since I get to have the inside scoop, but um, it's, yeah, I have a lot of fun with her work. Ah, oh, that's cool. Um, oh, this, yeah, this fandom is stacked. It's so crazy. Um, best, uh, what's your best piece? Of, you kind of mentioned some stuff, but what's your best piece of writing advice for uh, fic writers who are trying to be better? Read, obviously. You know, read as much as possible because um, the more you read in your own fandom, you know, you just it just kind of naturally flows. Then from there, um, start with small things. Uh, one of the things when I was a kid was I always had trouble finishing stories like I, and fan fiction was what helped me learn how to finish a story because you don't have to put as much, uh, I shouldn't say put as much effort, but you don't have to do the world building, right? The world building's already there. So start with something small and just allow yourself to finish a concept, even if it's just like a tiny thousand word ficlet, whatever, um, and start there and just try to get that feel for the characters. But then you're getting that feel for what is a cohesive story? What is the arc? What does that pacing look like? And I feel like, and then just write, write, write. Like I literally always say that the write every day thing that everybody says, it's so true. It doesn't have to be 2000 words every day, but it, you know, like when you're doing NaNoWriMo and you're trying, you have to get out like 1600 words in a day. It doesn't have to be that every day, but it has to be something and it just, you'll just get better. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Small goals. I love it. Cause I feel like a lot of us start out with like, with this giant, idea. crazy <laughs> idea. We're like, oh, we need to do. It's like, no, no, just take a moment, put it up, publish it, get some kudos and some comments, get some confidence. Yeah, I love that. Um, and uh, let's do this last question here. Um, it's kind of a broad one, but what is what does or has fan fiction done for you as a reader and or as a writer? Like, what does it mean to you? And yeah. I think I got to touch on some of that right when we started. You know, for yeah. me, it's like right, fan fiction is what, made me realize I wanted to be a writer. Um, the other thing I was potentially going to pursue was acting. That was the other thing I always loved. Um, either way, it is a difficult industry. So I, I really didn't have an easy answer to what I wanted to be when I grew up, right? Either of them are very tough to break into and, and get any kind of success. Um, and like I said, it, it taught me how to finish stories, how to conceptualize what a plot really needs to be. Um, it surprises me by how emotional and important they can be. And that's for both the reading and the writing, like the ones that just like, you know, you wet, get tears all over your keyboard, like you're just like sobbing, but it's therapeutic and amazing. Or when you get really angry or when you're just like giddy, uh, you know, like trying to hide your expression on the bus when you're commuting to work, you know, whatever. It's like, there's just such great joy. And because you can talk to the person, there is something so much more intimate and amazing than just reading a book. I mean, that's why I really love, uh, you know, fanfic authors who have become published authors because you can have both if they're the type of person that interacts. You know, I, I absolutely am always happy to interact on, on all fronts, um, whether it's fix or original stuff, but it's just, um, it, it literally shaped my life. I mean, it's what I do. It's, it, it's it helped me meet so many amazing people friends you know sometimes you're only friends while you're in that fandom but you still have all those memories and sometimes you make new friends for life and I, oh, the one last thing I wanted to remember uh, mention too 
was how fun it was getting other people into it. Um, Cause I can remember um, in high school, we would print off the newest chapter of whatever fic we were reading and we would pass it around in choir whenever it wasn't our turn to sing. And like people who weren't into whatever fandom it was, or had no idea what fan fiction was, we're like, what, what are you guys doing? What, what is that? And then they would want to read it too, because they would get sucked into what we were reading. And like, it's just, it's one of those beautiful things that brings people together and you know, allows us to be our insane geeky selves. And I think it's finally losing a lot of the stigma that it's had, like in the last few decades, even it's kind of become more mainstream and accepted. And it's just been really great to be one of those people that kind of got to experience it, um, you know, from the heyday of how it grew on the internet into where it is now um, and all the horrors and crazy things that happened (laughs) going through all that. But, you know, where it really kind of like took off as something mainstream, it's been fun to see that. So fan fiction is definitely like one of those pinnacle things of my life. Oh man, that's awesome. Well, I feel like it's, it's uh, kudos to authors like yourself who are open with it and who have, you know, especially having, you know, I don't know, it, it shouldn't have a stigma, but it has. So having authors with like professional success who are, who are out there writing for a living say stuff like, yeah, I was a fic writer and I still write fan fiction. I love fan fiction and say great things about it does so much. I feel like for just the overall perception that fan fiction has. So um, thank you for all of your attitude and contributions to fan fiction. Um, it's amazing. So uh, thank you so much. You're welcome. Well, um, yeah, well, that's, I've monopolized like three hours of your time. <laughs> so that um, I wouldn't have cut out a single second. We had to cover it all. I think we did. There's stuff we still could have dug into. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've got about a million other fix uh, <laughs> that are out there. Uh, I mean, you yeah, anytime you want to talk more Cold Flash or if we ever do like a, a, a group Cold Flash thing or something, I would absolutely love to hop back on again. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm, there's some stuff in the works that for our listeners hopefully will happen. So I'll keep you guys posted. But uh, Amanda, thank you so much for coming on and talking fanfic. Um, we'll have all your, your website. There, uh, you mentioned the Facebook group. That's a great place for like – people who want to check out your original stuff and kind of interact with you. I've really enjoyed that. Um, Is there anything else you want to mention about where people can find you or what they should look out for? Really the main thing, um, amandamavison.com. You'll see how it's spelled. It doesn't, it's it's not spelled how it sounds. Um, It kind of has all of my links because from there you can get to the Facebook group. You can get to my newsletter. Um, I, I'm Akanichi Yobi on Instagram, which I don't post a lot. And I literally just created my TikTok account um, under Amanda Mavison Books, which is what I call it when I'm self-publishing. And so it, usually it's easy to find me because nobody else is going to have that name. I'm the only <laughs> one in the United States as far as I know. Um, so yeah, that, that's an easy way to find me. But the Facebook group is probably the best for like regular interaction. I post uh, Monday through Friday, something different, sometimes teasers, sometimes sexy pictures, sometimes whatever. Um, but yeah, there's... Tons of places to find me, but if you Google Amanda Mavison, that'll that'll br- pretty much bring everything up. And <laughs> most of my books are, well, they're all on Amazon, but uh, plenty are other places, including audio. Some that I do myself. I have a bit of a background in radio. Um, and then uh, one recently that was uh, by one of my old audio friends um, who did a, um, uh, this one actually is a Cold Flash one too. I should mention it real quick. Uh, the Case of the Boy in Blue, Ooh. which is a little noir short that I did. Um, so it's Len speaking the whole time. 
I adapted that one. That one was easy because it's it's totally AU. Um, I adapted that one. And since it was first person, which I don't usually do, I really wanted a male voice. And an old audio friend of mine had reached out to me anyway. So I asked him to do it. Um, and so, yeah, he did a fantastic job with it. It's very short. It's like, I think it's like an hour and a half. Or is that one only 45 minutes? I, get, I, I forget. So I, I have a f- few of my short story audiobooks that are super short. Um, but that one is, is, that was a fun one. Oh, that sounds amazing. Well, we'll link all of that in the show notes. So please, guys, check out the show notes. And um, yeah, Amanda, thank you so much again for coming on and talking fanfic with me. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. It was a blast. Mm-hmm.